Trash Cinema. They broke into the mall for the wildest all-night party of their lives. Get that meat. But you're never alone. In the chopping mall. Hey everybody, welcome to Trash Cinema. This episode we'll be discussing, as you can tell by the trailers, mall movies, Chopping Mall and Phantom of the Mall. I'm your host, Michael, and Kersey returning to the show. Hey, welcome back, Kersey. Hey, what's going on? It's been a little while. Yeah, we had our spring break special. I mean, we did say that we're taking like, you know, six months off, so, you know, we did one spring break special, I think a Christmas special was, I think we did a Christmas special, right? Am I wrong? Uh, did they say a Christian special? No, Christmas, Christmas. Oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, we'll. I, I think we did both. If I remember correctly, we did God's Not Dead as well. We did do that a couple years ago. That didn't go well. Got a lot of hate mail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry it was a shitty movie, okay? I, I, I didn't hate it because it was Christian. <laughs> no, I hate it because it's just a fucking terrible yeah. half-assed movie. If you, like, like, for instance, I saw Silence when it was in theaters, which was horribly underrated. It was fantastic. That was a Christian movie. Yeah. It, was, yeah. it was great. Um. But yeah, so uh, this season we're breaking up a little bit. Uh, I wanted to start a little bit earlier than you were ready because you still had school. So we did a few episodes before the official start of season uh, three. So this right here is the official launch of season three. And we're going to be discussing those two movies, Chopping Mall, Phantom of the Mall. Let's start with Chopping Mall. That was your suggestion. I'm curious. Why did you choose this one? 
Because <laughs> it was, it was not? so. What? How could we not? <laughs> yeah, like you, we, when you look at it, it's it's just so eighties, cheesy robots with lasers, tough guy machismo and sex in public. I mean, how could you not choose that? <laughs> yeah, you look at it now, and I've seen this movie a few times. There used to be a TV show on USA on Fridays and Saturdays called USA Up All Night. And it was hosted by Gilbert Godfrey and Ron Desheer, where they watched, like, four god-awful, cheesy movies. And usually started off with something kind of known, and Choppy Mall seemed to be, like, a regular launch movie. Um, well, I feel bad that you watched that. I did. I watched a lot of the... I can't believe how many shitty movies I watched. I've seen every trauma film, I swear. They, they all played on this show. It was fantastic and terrible at the same time. Uh, yeah, we'll have to talk about that, because there's one in particular I really want to talk about. What? Is it Kabuki Man? Uh, no, it was All Surf Nazis Must Die. Yeah, we'll do that. We can do um, uh, Class of Nukem High or something. <laughs> oh, I actually I actually really like Class of Nukem High. But it is a trashy movie. See, okay, here's the weird thing that's gone on with the show. It originally started off just picking two shitty movies and tearing them apart. Then season two, we started focusing more on like Grindhouse, like legitimate trash cinema, stuff that was meant for direct-to-video uh drive-ins and like grindhouse so i think that's kind of the focus but a lot of people still aren't getting it because i get guests on this show and they're like hey let's talk about the ninja turtle movies by michael bay and i'm like yeah oh fucking right okay yeah Not exactly <laughs> well i don't mind i don't mind trying to fill a niche though so. yeah um so chopping mall epitome of the 80s there's so many movies shot in malls and and I think this is the same exact mall that was used in Commando and Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Valley Girl, like it, the mall. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say I, that the scene of uh, that the, the the guy on top of the um, the, the elevator that I, I'm pretty sure that was the Commando mall. Yeah, and it's funny you look back on the mall and that was like the not just the big social gathering, but that's where all the hot new businesses would start. And then it kind of changed in the 90s with the big box stores. And then all of a sudden, malls became kind of graveyards. I, I've never seen a mall over the last 20 years that was completely filled. Have you? No, never. Even Lloyd Center, there's like that top floor where it's kind of sketchy. And you're like, is this offices or is this just businesses that never actually, I don't know what the hell's going on here. Yeah, and it's always extremely hot and no one likes it. Oh, it's fu- Except old people. Old people love walking. That's a movie right there. Like uh, zombies, you know, just uh Wait, wait, no, they did that with Dawn of the Dead. Never mind. They already did, yeah, they already did that. That's Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the uh, There's a mall in Clackamas where it's all these very, very old people and they shuffle along like zombies. And I forgot for a brief moment that Dawn of the Dead existed. I apologize. I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah, who would have known that that would have been a more accurate picture of, of the future than any other of those <laughs> sci-fis? <laughs> I know, it's ridiculous. Thank God Soylent Green hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Uh, Choppy Mall. So, uh, to boil this down, it's about a handful of teenagers that are staying overnight in the mall. They're not supposed to be there. And then the security guards come in. But guess what? They're not humans. They're robots. They're robots armed with uh, lasers and super intelligence as well. Holy. What is the budget on mall security at this place? Who I has was just thinking that. <laughs> they're an R&D Those, development? There's, their robots are worth more than the mall is. Oh, my God. It's ridiculous. I mean, how are they shooting lasers? I know it's a chi- uh, it's like a chintzy movie, you know, like where it's supposed to be like not realistic. But you got to stop and go. Hold on a second. Instead of selling stuff to teenagers, why don't you patent those robots and, and, and make bazillions of dollars selling them as weapons for the government? 
Yeah, or you could just open up like a home security store. Now, this movie originally started off, uh, Vestron Video wanted a slasher film set in a mall. But because there had been so many slasher movies around this time that Jim Wynorski, the director and co-writer, said, look, we'll come up with a concept set in a mall, but we want to give you something different. Originally called Killbots. But the test audience uh, that looked at the poster and the name didn't want to show up because they thought it was based on an animated children's like TV show, like Transformers and GoBots. Who needs a cartoon Killbots? I, uh, yeah, you got me. I can't think of anything snarky to say about that. That's just... <laughs> These are the same people who didn't go to the Transformers movie because they thought they were about sex change or something. <laughs> I'm not going nothing like that. That's disgusting. My children can't go to that. <laughs> so we got Chopping Mall, and one of the best pitches is uh, you'll shop. What, shopping will cost you an arm and a leg. Is that what it was? I think it was that. I I, I seem to recall it being shop till you drop or something like that. It's, I, it's something stupid, yeah. <laughs> um. I watched the trailer of this while I was recording, and I cannot believe they show the head explosion in the trailer. That is disgusting. Yeah, I'm, I'm that, well, that really is the only the only part of the movie that's actually pretty good. Yeah, it's. I, I, how much do you think this movie cost to make? I'm curious. Oof. Um, I don't know, a couple million. Six hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and I don't. Wow. Under, that's like all the optical effects for other movies. I don't understand how Roger Corman makes these movies for nothing. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the special effects, it wasn't spectacular, but it was it was decent, especially for that budget. Yeah, and uh, the Vestron print of it is so cleaned up, and it just looks like a, you know like a five million dollar movie. But I guess you take into the fact there's a lot of uh, cut corners, like on the special effects and the action sequences, and the fact that it really is no name actor in this. Yeah, if you paid him peanuts and then shot it, you know, when the mall was closed and got it for nothing. Yeah, that's they might, it might, if I, I don't know if I'm remembering this correctly, but they might have reused some of the same shots of the robots going down a hallway, so maybe that filled some time, too. Maybe. You know, the one thing I never understand about these movies is when you're shooting something, and my God, there's a lot of ammo being blown off here. Um, when you're shooting something and it's not doing a bit of good, why do you keep doing it? I don't understand. I, I always wondered that, too. It's in every single movie. They establish early on, oh, you can't shoot it, and then they continue to have guns to protect themselves. Yeah, it's... I, I, I guess you got to use it to try to distract them, but they never use it that way. Like it would have been smart to try to use it to anger the, the the villain to try to make them go down a certain hallway where you can trap it or something. But they never do it like that. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things. Like you watch every Godzilla movie, and you're like, God, why are they even bothering? Every missile has just been like a mosquito bite to him. You're destroying your own city here. Just fucking let it go. Yeah, you just at this point, just evacuate the city and call it a law. Now, when it comes to the acting of this movie, you have to take it with a grain of salt. It is taken as kind of a tongue-in-cheek movie and not a straight-up dead serious kind of thriller. So, even though I'm gonna, I'm not gonna say any of these people are talented. I mean, they got like maybe a couple of leads have some skills, but. Uh, in general, this is like C, D movie level acting, but you can take it a little bit better because it is a, a cheesy movie on purpose, cheesy. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't find myself being uh, bothered by the acting at all. I, if anything, it actually helped it if it was, if it was bad. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. See, I, I wish I could find a tape of those USA Up All Night shows because every single movie was just like insanely hammy, and the hosts, I mean, they just had so much fun, like. Not really mocking it, but kind of going along for the ride, kind of poking fun at it. And uh, 
And my taste in movies is damaged permanently because of this show. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, there's really not a whole lot to say about Chopping Mall. It's strange that it has such an insane cult following for well, a movie that basically did nothing in the theaters and, and found an audience on video. It's okay. I've seen it probably about four or five times, but I would never ever put it on my list. But I know people who are crazy about this film. Yeah, yeah, the other, just one more thing I want to say about it. I don't get the AI thing. Like, did, I, I can't remember. Did the robot just turn itself on and become evil, or were they just programmed for evil? I didn't get um, that. Well, evil is per, uh, subjective because they're doing their jobs. It, there's a movie from 1973 with James Brolin, which is very similar to this. It's called Trapped, where he's a dad on Christmas Eve trying to get a present for his daughter, and he gets mugged in the bathroom. This is a huge department store. It's like a five-story department store. And he wakes up, and everybody's gone, and they've released the, the guard dogs. Well, the guard dogs aren't evil for trying to tear him apart. That's their job. So, therefore, the robots, in a way, it just seems like there's no emotion involved. They just make the decision that that's what they're supposed to do. Yeah, but didn't they have like a whole scene establishing that like they're trained to not hurt security guards and that they don't hurt unarmed people or something? No, they weren't unarmed. But wait, well, in the beginning they were unarmed. Yeah, okay. the beginning, like okay. the first couple. Okay, you win on that one. <laughs> All right, thank you. <laughs> I love the fact that they look at each other like they have like they don't say anything to each other yet they say stuff throughout the film. Have a nice day. Um, yeah. But they always look at each other like, "You ready? Ready? Let's go kill some kids." Yeah, they try to they try to make it a little more kid friendly, I suppose. Yeah, I guess if you count head explosion. Okay, movies in the eighties are crazy different. I was just thinking about the fact that Raiders of the Lost Ark is rated PG, not R. But yet there are melting people, gore. You know, people getting cut up by propellers and blood spraying everywhere. How was that PG? <laughs> it's the eighties. I think that should just be PG. I'm I'm cool with that. You know, like the 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 whole like fantasy violence thing is, is I, I think is fine as long as it's presented that way. Yeah, like maybe more thrillers like Gone Girl that could be rated R. But you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark I think is perfectly fine for a kid. Yeah, it's funny because nowadays a PG movie is like, uh, and then it warns you why it's PG. It'll say uh, slight uh, flatulence, you know, scatological humor, yeah. you know, one dirty word. You're like, uh, okay. Do you know that in Doc Hollywood that she walks out of the water completely naked and that's rated PG? Oh, I don't remember that. That was a long time ago when uh, I saw that. Yeah, I was in the theater and I remember looking over at this mother with her two children going, oh, uh, uh, that, that just happened. That's, that's cool. Oh, my God. <laughs> That, that reminds me of, oh, what was that bowling movie, Kingpin? That was PG-13, and today that's like that's a definite R, and I have this I have this argument with my mom all the time. She keeps saying, it's like, oh, it's only PG-13. Right, she says it's rated R, and I keep telling her, it's PG-13, man. Times are just different. Yeah, and there there is an R-rated cut of it out there. Uh, they did release it a couple years ago, but the original version I saw in theaters, man, there's some stuff you're like, oh, my God, uh, how is this passing by? <laughs> but I think every decade we get a little more sensitive because, like, The Goonies is PG. And you're like, no, no, there's there's some serious questionable language in this one. Yeah, The Sandlot, too, and that's got, you know, swearing and yeah. uh, people throwing up in it. And it's so, yeah, perfectly fine for kids. With the exception of the head explosion, I bet you that um, Choppy Mall easily could have passed for a PG-13. Oh, definitely, yeah. I, if I, I don't remember a lot of swearing. The only And there was a lot of sex, but it wasn't really explicit. No. It, it's all kind of in good fun. And so I say I recommend Chopping Mall. It's good at least for one watch. Yeah, I'll say one watch is fine. 
Our second feature is Phantom of the Mall, which I, is it in the same mall? Am I wrong? It looks similar, like it's, certain pieces, but I can't tell. Uh, what, I'm sorry. What is it? Phantom of the Mall. There is it. Do you think it's shot in the same exact mall as Chopping Mall, or is it different? Um, I'm I'm probably gonna say yes. I, I think it is. Chopping Mall. Um, sorry, Phantom of the Mall. Basically, taking the same layout of the you know Phantom of the Opera. Uh, this kid, he owns a house, it gets burned down, he gets caught in the fire, they think he's dead, and then fast forward like a year or so, they're opening up this brand new mall, and, uh, there's a phantom, which is Eric, living in it, and he decides to enact revenge on anybody that is not only just involved with the burning of his house, basically anybody who's a douche knuckle, and he is going to do them in really bizarre deaths. Uh, I just have, I gotta throw a complaint out right away. You keep saying Phantom of the Mall, and there's a sub there's a subtitle to it called Eric's Revenge. Let's not forget okay. the all important subtitle. <laughs> Why is it they needed to throw in Eric's Revenge? Just say Phantom of the Mall right there. Perfectly good title. Yeah, I, yeah, that makes it seem like it's a sequel. Yeah, uh, in fact, uh, someone made a YouTube sequel. I, I don't understand the fan film sequel stuff where you're just taking footage from the same movie and re-editing it. It's Eric's Revenge two. Oh, man, people, I, I don't know, people like that just, I, I, you know, I don't want to know them. You know what they should have done is it should have been like his brother, Derek, and then it should Derek's <laughs> Revenge and then T-O-O. There you go. Oh, he man. also owned a piece of property that was burned down. <laughs> oh, boy. I, but this this movie I actually would heartily recommend. I actually really liked it. There, there's, there's, um, there's some interesting stuff in it. Of course, I have a guilty... Uh, pleasure in watching anything with Polly Shore, and he's less annoying than normal. I was just gonna say this is like the only one where he was actually pretty tolerable. I, I kind of enjoyed the fact that he would stick eyeballs and gore pieces in the ice cream. People just be like, like you could tell they're so used to it by now. They're not freaking out. They're like, ah, all right, thanks. That's yep. disgusting. All right, uh, here you have your ice cream back. Yep. There, there's a uh, funny sequence yeah. when um, Morgan Fairchild is coming through, and I can't remember—is she like the publicity agent for the mall? Uh, I think she was the mayor. Oh. She just she just acted like the publicity agent because she had like she had a whole bunch of money staked into the company oh, or okay. into the the construction. Well, I thought she had an office upstairs, but I could be wrong. But there's a sequence when she first goes to the yogurt stand where he's working, Polly Shore. And uh, yeah. he's like meet and greet and everything like that. She says, I'll take it a vanilla cone. And he goes and talks to the girls for a little bit, messes with them. And then comes back to Morgan Fairchild and he goes, hi, how are you? And I'm like, wait, no, you you can't you can't do that after you've already taken their order. What is going on? Uh, I don't remember that. Uh, maybe, it's a, maybe it's a different cut. I, I don't know. Yeah, but it's just so funny. It's as if the director accidentally flipped the sequences so that he was actually meeting her, and then she was ordering her ice cream, and he's like, nah, this doesn't work, so he flipped it. But when he says that, you're like, no, you already talked to her and got her order. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I mean, that's that's not even probably the biggest problem of the movie. There's a ton of stuff in there. Uh, what is your favorite death? My favorite what? Favorite death in the movie. Favorite guess? Death. Death. Die, die. Favorite death. Okay. Uh, I'm, I, I, you'd be insane if you didn't say the pianist in, in the bathroom. Yep, that's it. The yep. snake, which is a crazy thing. Why would he has all this, all these weaponry, and he's like the dude's a kung fu artist, which is weird. They threw kung fu into this, and he's a beast. He, and then he just throws a snake in some in some bathroom, and it bites a guy in the dick. I mean, yeah, but that's not even the that, okay. So yeah, he do, he's doing martial arts, which okay, fine, it's stupid, but I guess he you know if he's devoting his life to 
revenge, he might do that. But then he's all of a sudden an expert cross at a at a crossbow, <laughs> even though he only picked it up at the beginning of the movie, and but he could nail someone from the, the top of the mall about a thousand feet away. Yeah, I'm gonna say a lot of the uh, the logic behind where where he got all this stuff and where I got all this training all of a sudden is kind of skipped over, and by kind of completely completely skipped over. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's one relationship in this movie that's terrible, but it, it amuses me to no end is the guy who runs the mall and his shitty son. For some reason, I could not stop laughing at what a fucking douchebag he was. I know that that he was <laughs> just the quintessential piece of shit. But they never really gave a reason as to why, which I guess is fine. He's just a piece of shit. But yeah, you know, there could have been a little. It, they could have tried to play up some of the tension between father and son, but, you know, like, he shows up, he squirts them with some which looks like semen. I can't remember why. You, you, you remember after he stole the quarters? Yo, right, uh, from right. The, yeah, what did he squirt them with? Did he, he didn't have, like, one of those fake flowers. It was just all of a sudden this, this white goo just splashed all over his dad. And it was really, I had to, it took a long time to explain to my girlfriend what happened. <laughs> you know, I, I, I remember the arcade part where he's trying to break into the machine. I don't, I, I literally do not remember any of the squirting scene. I just remember him confronting his son again about getting out of the mall, you know, stop being a dick or whatever. He's like, whatever, dad. And I don't remember the squirting thing at all. But are you saying it's supposed to look like goo, man goo? It, 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 it was a little more uh, liquidy. You know, it was, but it was it was white. I don't I don't know what the hell happened. It was like one of those fake flower things, you know, you squirt someone with. But he didn't have that, so I don't know what he was holding. It never explained what he had. I think it's funny is that immediately after that he's skating in like this weird little corner, and for a brief moment I was like, oh, he's such a sad little boy. He has no friends. And I was like, oh, yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, and that was a pretty that was a pretty cool death too. <laughs> the escalator, right? He gets pulled up to the escalator. No, yeah, he the the uh, Eric lassos him from from afar and then ties him down to the escalator. Yeah. Oh, uh, when my sister was little, she got her shoelace caught in the escalator, and I grabbed it right before it started to twist. And I can't imagine what it'd be like to get to the top and that thing starts to feed in and just like takes your body with it. I you would think it would shut down, but I've never actually seen that happen. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, that's true. I've never seen that happen either. I mean, I've seen broken down escalators before, but. <laughs> or do you mean stairs? <laughs> I feel free. yeah, but the convenience of of stairs when an escalator is broken. Although it's it's weird that they usually you're not allowed to do that. If it breaks down, you're not allowed to use them, even though they're stairs. Oh no, I mean like I've seen I've seen them stop like because of a malfunction, and I remember seeing some lady just stand there because now what the fuck am I supposed to do? <laughs> take the extra ten steps, stupid. <laughs> Can you oh, man, that's, gonna that's... stay there all day? There's a, there's a good Saturday night Saturday night live sketch about that. It's like five people on an escalator and they're trapped, and it's like a base. It's like a, a mountain climbing movie, basically. How right. long ago was this? Because that sounds like a good sketch. Oh, uh, I I would say sometime in the past six years. Oh, okay. So more recently. Um, yeah, Phantom of the Mall. I don't enjoy as much as Chopping Mall. It's a one and done for me. But did you say you did enjoy it? Yeah, actually, I yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing it again with a few friends. Yeah, I, I like the final sequence. It actually moves pretty well, and I thought it was kind of funny. They got that. I don't. I don't. He got access to that motorcycle, and it's like, let's get the hell out of here. And like, how did you get up to the floor? So how did you do that? It doesn't matter. It's probably sure. No, they probably have a very large elevator, and you just fit it in there. Yeah, 
Uh, I, I wanted to also point out that I, I like this version. Um, as far as movies trying to update uh, old classics, I would say this actually is better than Romeo plus Juliet. Yeah, I would, <laughs> I would say it's a more faithful reimagining than that piece of shit. Yeah, Tromeo? Uh, oh, Tromeo and Juliet. Uh, I saw that too. It was okay. Yeah, Interestingly, yeah. that was I think that was James Gunn's first movie. It was, and you know he's doing Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, what do you, it's surprising when some people can come come up from like someone like Troma, and uh, all of a sudden they're directing like the biggest movie of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do you think Eric's dead? This is the thing that surprised me because every time in these movies they always have like a little thing at the end to make you think they're still alive. Like he'll open his hand or you know or something like that and move it, or he'll open an eye. And they didn't. He just has a burnt, crisp body just laying there. Which is one of those things that I think that they fucked up. It would have been a great move. It would have actually been a pretty decent ending if they moved on as if he did die. And then she's dating the journalist. And you can see him standing behind a tree or something. And then cuts to the end, the end credits or something. But no, nah, just like shows a picture of his burnt up body. And, you know, movie over. And uh, the movie ends with a song that has the lyrics of, I kid you not... Did you listen to the la- the final song over the credits? Oh yeah, hell yeah, that was that was a weird. I I, I love s- stupid songs like that. I don't know. Yeah, it's um. Give me just a sec. There we go. Oh, you're right, fresh yogurt. Yeah, I told you. This is a super hit of the 80s, I'm telling you. <laughs> okay, so he literally said, is it the Phantom of the Mall or is it a retard in a broken hockey mask? <laughs> Only in the 80s, people! Only in the 80s! <laughs> Oh my god! Like I haven't, I, I, I kind of miss that. There, I know there are a lot of movies that used to do that kind of thing, where they would make sort of a rock song or a rap song and, and incorporate the movie into it. They don't really do that much anymore, but I'm glad that they brought that back with Deadpool. Yeah, which yeah, actually, I, 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 I feel like the song existed beforehand, but they were smart enough to option the rights. Yeah, probably. Uh, but yeah, I, I wish more movies would do stuff like that. I don't know. I get a kick out of that kind of stuff. There, yeah, there's uh, two great ones in my. Uh, well, there's Spies Like Us, which was a huge hit um, by Paul McCartney. But then there's the Monster Squad, one of the greatest rap songs in history, <laughs> and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles T U R T L E Power, which is a fantastic song. Is that the one with uh, with uh, Vanilla Ice? Uh, no, I can't even remember who it was. Everybody thinks it's MC Hammer, but it was somebody else that did it. But uh, no, Vanilla Ice was in the next one, Ninja Rap, which is a fucking yeah, terrible song. Yeah, go, go ninja, go ninja, go. Which is 90% of the song, so you know that he wrote the lyrics on a scrap piece of paper as he was headed to the studio. Yep. Uh, <laughs> no, but this this is actually, a, but still, the, the lyrics, I, when I heard it the first time, I go, hold, wait, hold on a second, what? And I rewound it. Like, he did just say that. And I kept giggling because it was so insane that he would just throw that out there. <laughs> I it, it, I kind of I I love I love movies that troll its own audience or TV shows that'll do that like Sherlock kind of likes to 
you know, give a middle finger to his audience sometimes. And I, I like that this movie kind of just does that. Where <laughs> yeah. it tries to make this emotional ending, and then it's just like, hey, he was a retard. <laughs> and I don't know. I like that kind of stuff. Oh, no. I thought that he was saying, is it the Phantom of the Mall or like Jason with a broken hockey mask because he was a mongoloid? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, we've opened a whole new world. We must decrypt this song. Okay, episode 15. <laughs> okay, so I think we've got to the end of this episode. My choice is Choppy Mall. Your choice is Phantom of the Mall. Um, both totally worth a single watch. At least one watch. Yeah, I would say so. Um, in our next double feature, now I chose a movie to go along with what you chose. It's going to be Clown. Now, which clown is this? Because there's actually quite a few. Oh, uh, I think it's the one that's uh, on Netflix that appeared recently. Okay, so. it's a it's more of a it's a body horror type movie. Oh, okay, uh, and of course I'm going to pair that up with Killer Clowns from Outer Space, a classic. Yes, and um, I guess that's it for us here, Kersey. Thank you very much for joining me with this episode. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. And check us out on Facebook under Video Night. Video Night is going to be the new home for Trash Cinema. I'm gonna put that in there with the uh, other podcasts that we do. Uh, both have different kind of styles, so I figured it'd be a good match. Hey, these are movies that are great, we recommend. And these are movies that are kind of like under the radar. People think that they're kind of shitty, and, and we kind of want to defend them. Or, every once in a while, we just go, no, we're going to tear this completely apart. And those are my favorites. <laughs> so, I'm going to end this episode with a little bit more of this classic, great, great 80s song. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Next Planet Over. It's been a while since we did one, but thank you for being patient. I'm your host, Michael, and Mindy's coming back, who was in our Buffy episode. Actually, one of our most popular episodes. How's it going, Mindy? Ooh, I'm, I'm popular. Yes, I, it's number two. I'm sure it our, had everything to do with me. Uh, the Twin Peaks episode from earlier this month, our friends over at What Did We Just Watch, they uh, they, they discussed like, head-scratching movies and TV shows, and they did a Twin Peaks episode, and that is massive beast but uh the buffy episode is i'm really <laughs> i'm really happy that someone else did twin peaks because i there's nothing in me that wants to go and watch that no he's andrew's always bugging me he's like you gotta see twin peaks i'm like look i've tried watching the movies of david lynch and every mm -hmm. single time i walk away going why did i waste my life doing that i don't understand any of it i i even tried to watch the show and i can't remember I made it through maybe four or five episodes. I just, I just don't get it. I don't get David Lynch. I know lots of people love him. I just, I just don't really get it. It's shocking I'm not that the David Lynch. Tool in the shed, I guess. 
David Lynch was in the running to direct Return of the Jedi. Thank God that never happened. <laughs> the Ewoks would be talking backwards, you know, and then what, you know, just going back and forth, and everything would be a dreamlike state. You're like, I don't know what's real anymore. <laughs> that would have been terrifying. <laughs> All right, this episode we're going to be discussing Roswell, the three-season, short-lived, but fan-favorite television show that survived longer than anybody expected. Uh, Warner Brothers renewed it because the fans went crazy for... Right, they sent in Tabasco sauce, right, to re- get it renewed? Yes. And then Many UP- bottles of Tabasco sauce. Which reminds me of... There's another show we were, we were discussing this off-air, but another show that we could discuss that had kind of a sci-fi bent was... Yes, yes, yes. yes. Jericho. Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. <laughs> that show, uh, the fans took a note from the fans of Roswell and said, let's send in nuts. And it worked. They got six more episodes um, out of that, whereas Roswell was more successful. Part of it was because um, I think the fan following the book series, plus WB, I, yes. I think, was looking at their schedule and realized they had nothing really to pair um, with Buffy. And then when it got sold to UPN, it got saved for a third season, maybe the most frustrating season. Um, in general, I really enjoy the series, but you can tell the whole way that there was a constant struggle with people at the head of the network, the producers, the cast. Like, everybody kind of wanted a different yeah. thing out of the show. And it was like, well, the ratings, this is going to be with this, so you got to change this. And, and that's one thing that's really irritating about the show. Yeah, there's a real inconsistency of what the vibe is of the show now did you kind of all over the place the original books of roswell high series yeah i i I don't know if i read every single one but i read a bunch of them because i was super into the show so yeah i read a bunch of them was the what was the theme of the book was it more like uh john hughes with aliens was it romantic or was it more like uh mystery action like the show was um if I remember correctly, it was more about the teen romance angle, I think. Um, and they did change the characters quite a bit. I remember, um, you know, on the show, it's not really a thing. Like, it, it's like uh, their ethnicity or, any, you know, is really vague. Uh, but very, very clearly that, she, you know, she was, uh, his, it, um, Liz's character was Hispanic on the in the books. And I thought it was a weird thing to just completely change yeah it's but uh, i guess it's not that important i don't know not not yeah well it is in a way because we do have a bad habit in america of whitewashing shows and in comic True. books and movies yeah. and, and taking characters that we know as a certain ethnicity you know there, there's no shortage of white heroes you know you and i are both caucasian so we're not struggling looking where is the hero that speaks to me um but there are right, tons exactly. and tons of heroes out there like on the fringe that you know like okay right. we got you know in superhero world we have like blade and and falcon and uh black panther and and, and and we have wonder woman and you know are there any latino superheroes at all i don't i don't know of any like that on are, tv tv movies i i feel like none of them have made it past the comics there's only a few in the comics yeah, I was just going to say the only one that I – well, the one I know for sure is the newest version of Spider-Man, correct? Miles My, Morales. Yeah, and the Blue Beetle. The Blue Beetle, the newer version, when Ted Cord was killed off, he mm-hmm. his um, suit went to a kid who's Latino. Mm-hmm. So to take, um, so to take yeah. Liz Parker's character – was her name even Liz Parker in the books? Um, I think – I can't remember for sure, but I think that they changed her last name. 
but I, I don't remember for sure because it's been so long since I read those books. Okay. Yeah, I was just wondering if they changed her name because I feel like it was something else when you had those books um, that they Honestly, had they, I'm pretty sure they changed the last name. But, you know, all those shows were so white-dominated. I mean, maybe you could say that the, you know, Sherry Appleby who played Liz, is she could be interpreted as something else. She's got a little bit of a, like, darker complexion, but, I mean, it's New Mexico. It's really pretty understandable that it wouldn't. That everybody wouldn't be white. Yeah, that's true. And you've been to Roswell. I have been to Roswell. I don't, do you want to talk about that now or later? No, no, let's do that now. I, Did, was this during the show that you went? Um, You know, I can't actually remember when I went to Roswell. I don't think it, it wasn't when the show was still on. It was probably, I don't, know, I don't know, it was several years after the show ended, but I'm going to tell you how disappointed I was that I didn't expect Roswell to actually look like the show, because I know that it's not set, in, I mean, it's set there, but it's not filmed there, right? Oh, right, right. But I was pretty brokenhearted that, like, they didn't even try to, like, play up the whole Roswell you know, history or anything. They didn't do anything to play that up. It was so boring. You would think so that sad. the one thing that that area would have is some sort of, maybe they're ashamed of it or embarrassed or just sick and tired of it because, you know, for decades now yeah. people have gone there. Well, they do have a museum that is pretty decent. But other than that, nothing. Nothing from the show at all, like no merch, no store that was kind of like devoted. No. You would think that there would be a place there made up like the diner. Like they would just build or add a front yep. to a diner. Yeah, but no. Yeah, weird. Boo. Boo. <laughs> you guys, to I mean, they totally wasted such a good opportunity, you know? Oh, so just so you know, I was looking up the books, and her name was definitely not Liz Parker. But Liz Orteco, a senior and max biology class lab partner of Spanish descent. Yeah. So they literally is the only person that they changed the name of, it looks like. Huh. Um, this so was... anyway, I don't know. It's a little disappointing. Yeah, it's, it's got to be. But... Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at this. Uh, this is the era, of course, of Dawson's Creek. You know, Buffy was a hit before right. Dawson's, but you can see the change in the entire network. It went from being kind of a family show network, you know, because Seventh Heaven was their, their anchor for the first couple seasons, and then Buffy came along. But mm -hmm. Buffy didn't really seem like it had much of a change in the WB network. It was Dawson's Creek that really did it. So Roswell feels more Dawson's than it does Buffy. I agree with that. There's a lot of the, the three, you know, the, the trilogy of couples. Like, oh, who's going to go break up with her and who will date, you know, which one, how can we work this? And I, I do feel like by the time season three came around, you're just like, everybody, just stop dating each other. I'm sick of all of you and your drama. You know, that trend really hasn't ever changed, though. I'm, I'm watching, I'm going back to finish Vampire Diaries. Uh, and that, you know, that's been off the air for about two seasons. And it was on for eight years. And that's the same exact thing. There's a much bigger cast, but they've all freaking dated each other. Every single one, except for like the brother and sister who aren't even brother and sister. Okay. I have to, my, you know, um, 
there's a spinoff of that too, the original. So I feel like I've missed a lot. In fact, um, Supernatural, which is like one of the main anchors for the WB. I know. Um, They're having a spinoff too now. Oh my gosh. How many seasons have it been on? 14, 15? Did you know that? No. What's Did you know they were having a spinoff? No, no, no. I didn't at all. Um, It's supposed to... Oh, well, we may should talk about that later, but it's a, it's going to happen, I think, this season. Oh, okay. Well, those guys got to be sick of the yeah, show. I'd, you can't keep going. Like It's almost it, better when a show does last only a few seasons. You can appreciate it more. Yes, yes, Roswell. And, and there's another one, V, uh, which is one of my favorite shows of all time. But you can see that it's a struggle with the network and the tone of the show. And it was only on for 18 episodes, but I cherish every single episode. Whereas some shows, you're like... Wrap this shit up. Angel is perfect at five seasons because I feel like season six would have been a disaster. Yeah, you know, so the season of Supernatural that's on right now is season 13. Oh, wow. And, and they just, their spinoff episode was last week on the 18th. It's called Wayward Sisters, and that's what the new show is going to be. Um, Do they live in Wayward Pines? Care- <laughs> I don't I, I don't know. I am so many seasons behind on Supernatural that I don't know exactly what that means. But there is a character that they brought in probably in seasons four or five that was a, a cop, I think, uh, a Jody Mills. She was a friend of, um, oh gosh, now we're talking about Supernatural. Yeah, we are. I didn't realize we were, uh, I was like, hmm, how are we going to get back to <laughs> Roswell? It's okay. Um, anyway, yeah. it's just interesting. Sorry, let's go back to Roswell. All Bye-bye. right, so uh, first season is more focused on romance. It's it's the closest of the three seasons to being like Dawson's Creek. It's a romantic drama with special effects. Like, the alien part we, seems like it sits back a bit. Do we need to actually, like, describe what super, what Roswell is? No, I, you know, I thought about that. I was Please? like, if you're listening to this, you probably already know the show. Um, but I mean, just, you know, briefly, it's, you know, you, you can go ahead. You, you got this. No, I just, I was just wondering. So these, you know, it starts in the diner that's alien themed, uh, owned and run by, uh, the Parker family. Liz Parker works there. And in the very first episode, there's like, what, a robbery of some kind uh-huh. or altercation. And, and, the, and Liz the main character of the show, uh, gets shot. And uh, that's when Max, her future love interest, um, saves her and reveals that he is an alien. He reveals to her by saving her life because he has healing abilities. And, so so it's, been, uh, I'll say this, that, it's been like a decade or so since I've watched the entire thing, but his powers are the protective powers. He heals... And as the seasons would progress, he would have, like, a force shield and stuff like that. So that's his focus. He is their leader. He is the healer. Yeah, and I will say, too, that that, um, the fact that he healed her has um, effects much later on that that we will, that we see in, I think, season three, that she starts taking on powers of her own from him healing her that still doesn't make Do sense to me part? though yeah i remember that and i don't i don't know i don't understand how you can absorb someone else's powers it's it, they act like it's an std of, of sorts if you think about that fashion i, I mean the x-men don't transfer I don't powers know why. over to you. i mean i just don't get that but it seemed like some sci-fi element 
um, that they were pushing. So I was like, we'll give her powers, make her a misfit too. I was like, no, no, that's the point is that they're well, that they're different. That was a you know that they they came together. There was nothing. Right. There was nothing for like two seasons. And I think in season three, when they were given that reprieve, that extra season, they were like, oh, well, shit, we need to really do something with that. And so this latent power suddenly started showing itself after two years. Yeah. Well, it's also because UPN had a different focus than WB. They didn't have Dawson's Creek. They had Star Trek and wrestling. So they wanted the show to be more appealing to boys. So they darkened the tone up, they made it a little more aggressive, and there's more special effects. Oh, there's a lot of pretty girls. Doesn't that count for anything? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. This is during that Nickelback, MTV, like, alt-metal era, where you, you can kind of see it in the third season. Yeah. I'm just looking at, like, uh, the people involved. So Jonathan Frakes... Uh, Maybe was a producer, but he also directed a, a good amount of the episodes. Yeah. And well, David uh, Nutter is, is of the show. one of the main driving forces yes. behind this. And David Nutter is the director of one of my favorite cheesy, guilty pleasure movies, which at the time I was very defensive of. And then as you get older, you're like, oh, yeah, this movie's not that great. It's just fun. It is disturbing behavior. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I like that movie. I don't care how dumb it is. <laughs> um, but... Didn't David Nutter also work on X-Files? Uh, he started off on X-Files, and then he directed a couple movies for Full Moon. Um, and then he moved mm-hmm. over to doing uh, Disturbing Behavior, then Roswell, and then he became one of the main people behind Smallville. Oh, okay. I do also want to mention that um, the producer and writer of, of Roswell is J- Jason how do you say his name? Kadams? Kadams, I want to say, who I hate with an unwavering passion because of what he did to Boston Public. He even removed it from his Wikipedia. Jason Kadams uh, oh. took over. After Roswell ended, he moved over to Boston Public, and he killed off. Oh, I see. Well, I think he killed. I'm trying to remember now. Actually, I think he just sent him to the hospital. Uh, Nikki Cat was my favorite character on that show, and he decided that he wasn't sex appealing enough. So they had him yeah. stabbed by one of the students and off the show. And then all the other characters that you liked were cast aside. And then all of a sudden they bring in, um, I can't remember her name, but she was Seven of Nine on uh, uh, Star Trek Voyager. You know, she was really sexy, Borg lady. Jerry Ryan? Jerry Ryan. Jerry all the Ryan? Time, she became the sex it, pot of the show. And I was like, nope, I'm done with the show. This is terrible. Do you, they've, it seems like that is her role on every TV show. That like it's The show starts to like get a little less interesting or ratings drop a little bit and they're like hey let's bring jerry ryan in to just really mess shit up <laughs> she did they, they no they they did that on like season three of oc they did that on just something else i was just watching and i was like she just showed up and just keep she just feel like that's her role on television yeah i totally forgot about the oc i never finished that i only got to like i think season two maybe three and then i just kind of I, i'm not good at finishing shows well, it, when they start getting shitty, then you just don't care anymore. Yeah, it's like I, I, one of those people season, that just sticks it out of like, nah, I'm not that person. <laughs> I've never watched season four of of um, o- the OC, but I've seen season one and two like four times. <laughs> I have the same thing with I Lost. Just, never gonna I finish just Lost. Lose, I, I just lose interest. I don't know. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think Jason Kadams was also responsible for. 
episode? I don't know. A bunch of other stuff, but I don't know anymore. Uh, let's talk about the cast real quick. Whatever. Um, okay. When I watched this show, I watched it right as it was ending on the UPN. So I had seen like maybe two or three episodes that caught my interest. And just at his edit, I think it was like as it was ending is when it got sold to Sci-Fi Channel. And that's when they would loop it like every single day, like Monday through Friday. So in this, okay, this is a little personal, but I was kind of crippled for a while and I was laying around a lot. So I watched all of Dawson's Creek, all of Buffy, all of Angel, and all of Roswell like one year. And uh, I, I can't believe with my attention span now that I even made it through. I can't even finish off a season on Netflix. I'm like, ah, there's like 7,000 more things in my queue. Um, well, I was never crippled, and I did all those things, so what's my excuse? I have no idea, because it's, it's, it's probably because of me. I'm, I'm like, you gotta watch this! <laughs> I'm just lame. Um, but at the time, I was That's really, it. really into the show, and so I would hunt down, like, the movies that were available from this cast, and mm-hmm, it, it's just mm-hmm. kind of funny looking at the way they were at the time of the show, where they were actually getting stuff in theaters, or at least strong, independent movies, and then looking now, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, that didn't turn out the way I thought it would at all. I really thought that Colin Hanks was going to be huge. Well, he had his moment. He's still acting, though. Yeah, I mean, he's great on Life in Pieces, but I, I just thought that he was going to be a theatrical lead. Because especially right out of the I gate, know. he gets I... Orange County, which is one of the greatest high school movies ever made. Oh, God, I love that movie so much. It's so good. But yeah. who is it? Jake Kasdan, right? Did that? Right. Jake Kasdan directed the new Jumanji movie, which I got to tell you was really, really, really fun. And also, you see some of his past stars, like half the cast of the OC. I mean, Orange County. Nice. It's always cool when they bring. They have like a repertory company. I love it when, like, you know, a director has like four or five guys. That you always see in every move. You're like, oh, you were... Yeah. Wait, is this like one big universe? <laughs> That's the way the, the John Carpenter always was. Bringing back like the same four or five guys. Yeah, I mean, if, if I guess if they enjoyed working together, then give give them, you know, be loyal to it, to them. You know, it's like... What also it's saves like on casting. And how, yeah. And how he, you know, continues to use, you know, a lot of the same actors over and over again or find new projects for them because... He liked working with them, so it's, yeah. I think it's cool. And I never expected Nick Wexler to come back. I really thought that he was just Me done. Either, because you remember oh for like God. five years after this ended, they all he would do is show up on an episode. I think he had a deal with Fox. Like when he wasn't, I don't know if he was at mm-hmm. school or what he was doing because he would only do like one show, but it was like a pivotal show, like Malcolm in the Middle or something like that on Fox. And then nothing for the rest of the year. And then all of a sudden he just comes back with revenge and he's like, huge. Well, huge for TV. I was I was so distraught. And I kept like looking for for him to be doing things. And I would just check and check all the time <laughs> because he was my favorite person on the show. He was my favorite character from Roswell. And it's just nothing, nothing, nothing. You know, everybody else on the show had their moment. Like, and, and they're, they're like movies that they did while the show was still on. But, you know, Emily De, De La Ravine or whatever her name is, she went on to Lost. And, and Hills Have Eyes. Of course, Captain Hike. Of course. Oh, God, that movie. You um, remember seeing the original Heigl, cut? Of course. I think you and I are one of the very few people to see the original cut of that. And uh, the fact that the score We're never is... never supposed to talk about that. Oh, um, I don't know what you're talking about. Shh. 
Anyway, yeah, we were. Tra- I was traumatized from that experience. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, Catherine Heigl, of course, had her, you know, freaking rise to fame, and then she destroyed it for herself. Um, Jason Bear, I don't know what's up with him. Like, he had mostly just shit after that. Well, he did have um, a Sherry Appleby's. Yeah, well, I mean, one movie. Whoopee. What about D-War? Um, How about Giant Dragons? <laughs> Nope, sorry. No, crap. <laughs> crap, crap, crap. Um, and then and then Sherry Appleby had some shows here and there. I don't know. I remember like, she had Swim major... Fan. Like that was that was supposed to be like a big deal for her oh, and it did yeah. okay. And they're like, let's just do other sequels. Let's do like Track Fan and I'm like, Oh, please God, no. Just don't do those. <laughs> Nobody did that. And then um what's his name? What's the last guy's name? Brendan Fair. He Brennan Fair, you know, he he didn't really do anything huge. He had some movies. What was that vampire movie? Forsaken, which I've seen he way did. too many times. Way too many Forsaken. times. Forsaken. Okay, that's pretty good. And then, you know, he he had like a recurring role in like Bones for several seasons as Was it uh, Bones or David was it Boreal. I thought it was like Criminal Minds or, or something like that. No, he oh. was he was David Boreanaz's character's brother. Oh, okay. I watched I've seen, like, 11 seasons of that show. I haven't seen it all, but I've seen most of it. Um, so, I mean, they all had their moments, but Nick Wexler, like, nothing, 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 nothing. And then, finally, Revenge, and he was, like, pretty much, like, a really big character. I was very happy. Um, the other one, though, What's was... What's he doing now? I have no idea. No, I'm sure he's doing something. I'll have to look that up on IMDb. But uh, Mahandra Delfino... Um, she's the one who became, she kind of stopped acting. She became a musician. I mean, I think she was a musician, but, um. She was a musician. I used to, like, obsess over her website all the time. (laughs) All right. No, I'm serious. I am not even joking. Huh. I didn't realize she she has an album coming out this year. She uh, also did, like, a good amount of, like, straight-to-television movies that were... Not all of them were bad. Some of them were okay. <laughs> Do you remember the episode of The Office where they were going to give Dwight his own spinoff because they were trying to keep the franchise alive and they changed their mind? Oh, yeah! She was supposed yeah, to yeah, be in the remember. series. I do remember. Oh, look. It says that um, Nick Wexler has been on Dynasty, the new reboot of Dynasty on the CW, which started this year, and Chicago PD, which is in this weird trifecta of Chicago-based TV shows. Have you seen that? I think there's four of them now. I want to say there's Chicago PD. Maybe there's four. Chicago Med. Chicago... Chicago Fire. Chicago Fire, which I think is the original Isn't there Chicago Law or something like that now? Chicago PD, that's what I just said. No, no, no. I mean, for lawyers, like court cases. I thought there was a fourth oh, one. Oh, I don't know. Oh, that makes me super happy. One of the guys from 4400 is on this Chicago PD also. Well, here's what sorry. I was thinking. I get... is, uh, sorry, Okay, <laughs> if I say the name Munch, do you know what I'm talking about? The character Munch. Yeah. So Yeah, Munch Star. No, no, he looks like he looks like an oh, old wait. Martin star. <laughs> um, God, why can't I remember his name all of a sudden? In fact, I think he even showed up oh. on Roswell. You know, he was in uh, Homicide, A Life on the Street, and he got moved over to Law and Order. Richard Belzer? Richard Belzer. Richard Belzer? Um, 
and then he showed up on X Files okay. as the same character. He showed up like on six different TV shows as this character. So Dick Wolf owns the rights to Munch now because of Law and Order. Oh. But he does all I those see. Chicago shows. So therefore, he could bring Munch oh. over into the Chicago shows. And I wonder if that can, if that's a record, like showing up on so many shows as the same character. There's got to be a record out there, and I bet you he holds it. Yeah, I don't know very many shows that do that. I mean, they tend to have like two shows, you know, do crossovers together, but not one character that just goes around and does a bunch of random stuff. Yeah. I don't know. That's kind of interesting. Uh, Roswell. I'm trying to find... Oh. What? Wow. I got confused because Martin Starr's character, he was, remember he was on a very short amount of time on season three? Martin Starr. Oh, my God. I forgot he was that? on Roswell. I totally forgot that. And, it, and I got confused because his name was Monk. I had the same thing... Of Roswell as I did with Freaks and Geeks, like I just I just want to see all of them very very successful, and they've turned out more successful, of course, than Roswell. But I was just like, oh yeah. man, I'm so worried because some of them, like you know, Martin Starr wasn't working a lot after the show ended. And I was like, you know, I don't know why I mm-hmm. care. I feel like they're my own family, you know. I was like, oh man, they grow up to be successful, not crack horse. <laughs> yeah, I think if you you know if you really connected to that show, and a lot of people did, that you emotionally like <laughs> you wanted the, you wanted them to be happy and successful it was weird but it that's the way i felt too i understand um the only established actor in the cast was william sadler and he's kind of the anchor when it comes to the grown-ups in fact he's one of the few grown-ups in the show where it's you know constantly uh you know there there's um max and isabel's izzy's um parents um you know, you see them. Yeah, they a lot. weren't around a ton. No, but, but they, they were in all, the entire series, I think. But they were never a focal point. That's but true. Uh, William Sadler was pivotal to the show, and it was nice because you know you and I were pretty big fans of him. Speaking of repertory, yes. uh, David Nutter used uh, William Sadler in Disturbing Behavior, and that's also where he discovered mm-hmm. Brendan Fair because he played a very small part. Actually, he has no dialogue. He's just like constantly in the background scenes. Yeah, we're like, oh look, there he is again. There he is again. There he is again. <laughs> My favorite thing about disturbing behavior is William Sadler. Um, my favorite line is, uh, Rats by the bay! Rats by the bay! <laughs> I just love William Sadler. You know, I think ever since we watched, you know, Bill and Ted's... Oh, my God, yeah. ...bogus journey, <laughs> I think that's what clinched it for us. And what year was that? I mean, that I don't know. That was 91. 90... Do you remember coming out of the theater... And you heard you heard other people coming out bitching like they didn't travel through time. It was nothing like the first movie. That movie sucked. And we're like that movie was amazing because <laughs> it changed the entire concept. Maybe that we were the only people who really loved that movie. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I must it. say that I work out. My butt looks really good. <laughs> Reaping burns <laughs> calories. <laughs> it says so. Just, I'm looking. It says the guy who played. Um, Liz's dad, which, you know, <coughs> excuse me, John Doe, who wasn't really an actor. I mean, he was a musician for much, much, much longer than he was ever an actor. Yeah. I think the only and, thing I'd seen him in before uh, that was Roadhouse. Yeah, John Doe. Was, uh, he's really but great. It, he was good. He, But it says he was in the same amount of episodes as the guy who played the dad of Max. So 18 episodes each, huh. but it did seem like the, the Max's dad, uh, Max and Izzy's dad was, a, our parents were a lot more involved 
Yeah, and uh, he... especially in that third season. Oh, definitely. Uh, and Mary Ellen Trainer is probably the pivotal mom of our youth because right. of Monster Squad. Yeah. Um, and of course, she would show up in a lot of those. I think she was married to Richard Donner, if I remember correctly, and she would show up in all that stuff oh. that was, you know, like uh, um, she showed mm-hmm. up in. Isn't she the mom in Goonies? But she's also in Lethal Weapon and uh, shows up a lot of Joe Silver productions. I'm pretty sure she's the mom of Goonies. Oh, she she was a, she was the parent in the most episodes, other than um, William Sadler. She was in 23 episodes, so that's wow. quite a bit yeah. for a show that was on 61 episodes. She was in more than a third of it. Yeah, I really like her. Uh, season one, of course, like I said, was more of the mystery of who are they, where are they from. You know, the the police trying to figure out who they are. And it's more of a romance. The second season is when I think producers stepped in and said, look, we're going to save the show. The fans want it, but we need to... Oh, we need to... more sci-fi. We need more sci-fi, yeah. And, and that's when they started ramping up the storylines. Some of the storylines I thought were great, and some kind of struggled. Uh, the one with the kidnapped yeah. girl that was buried underground I thought was a great storyline. And that evolved very well mm-hmm. without dragging it out. And then they revealed new powers. The one that I don't like is yeah. the British guy from Go. Uh, Desmond Askew. I thought his oh, his arc was yeah, kind yeah, of annoying. Yeah. I liked the first the first guy who owned the museum. Uh, Trying to remember, was it Steve Heitner? I can't remember. Is, is he the guy from uh, Seinfeld, the really annoying guy? Jerry, you owe me a dinner. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It's, yeah, it's Steve Heitner. I liked him better. Um, in the what well, he was just in the first season, I think. But I I liked him. I don't remember what happened to him, and then they brought in. Desmond Askew, and it was kind of wacky. It was yeah. a little too weird for me. Uh, and the villains um, are the Skins, which is it had the kid from Pet Cemetery, um, who still looked like he was the same age. I know. So you know, I didn't mind. So the the stuff about um, Nacedo or whatever, the like the adult. Guardians person the guardian of tess and they bring in tess was she in the first season too i want to say tess doesn't show up till season two if she is in season one i want to say she's at the very end but pretty sure it was season two yeah so tess is you know the fourth the fourth alien who was who was supposed to be with them but gets separated um and she's like you know they then they bring in the whole destiny story right of of her being destined to be with Max and and um, this Sato is kind of has devious intentions. He's her basically her father. I mean her guardian, but acts as her father. Yeah. And all that was really I don't know. It was complicated, but I liked it. the The storyline that I really didn't like was the doubles. God, I don't even remember that one. You remember? No, I don't remember. They're that. like was that a they're, long arc? They're evil doubles, huh? Was that a long arc, or was that just a few episodes? Because I don't recall that at all. I'm gonna say that it was at least a third of a season. Huh? Okay, that's that means they I have had, a terrible memory. Like, <laughs> they had like they had like tough altered egos, and they are like doubles, and they um, were trying to get back to their home planet. And I don't know. It was weird. I didn't I like it. They were all like, I hate, I hate, punk. this is what was wrong with Smallville is they always had episodes like that, like clones, duplicates, bizarro, yeah. uh, or something would enter them and they would become evil all of a sudden, like some sort of kryptonite. 
that kind of bullshit sounds great to an actor. It's like, oh, I, I don't have to be the bland good guy. I get to be evil. That sounds fantastic. I'm like, yeah, it's a tired mm-hmm. cliche. It's the um, drama version of, you know how in sitcoms during the 80s, they'd always have that, I have two dates with two chicks at the same place, same time. And then they have to run back and forth across oh, the restaurant yeah. pretending to be. I, that's such a cliche. I'm so sick of clones and doubles. Doppelgangers. Yeah. Um, then don't bother watching Vampire Diaries because that is the entire plot for like eight years. Oh my god, that sounds terrible. I just so don't. Which one's which? And it's like you know they have to tell you some sort of secret and they shoot the other one. Like how did you know? Well, that guy was left-handed. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So um, I will also mention that in season two, was they really wanted to get you know when they wanted to get way more sci-fi this is when they brought in ronald d moore and he um you know he started writing a lot of the season two um of course i don't know what he what he was really known for before this but now he's responsible for a lot of things like the battlestar galactica reboot and um of course what he's working on right now is outlander Oh, okay. I was like, I was trying to think, because I was trying, you remember that movie with um, Jim Caviezel, isn't that called Outlander? The one where he's like... Yes, there is that movie called Outlander okay. as well. Yeah, so it's a different thing, yeah. Um, it's totally I'm different, I'm pretty yeah. sure Ronald uh, Moore started on one of the Star Treks, and he just got moved over after, like, one of them ended. Probably. So, yeah. Um, it looks like he wrote, he wrote a lot of season two and three. Now... The ratings for season two were actually higher than season one, not by a whole lot, but when you yes, look at they were. But this is the era when everybody had more TV shows. It's insane how TV shows now. If you're the number one show right now on network television, take that back twenty years, and you are almost dead last because shows would normally get like a twenty, you know, million viewers, yeah. and now if you get five, you're a smash hit. You're like, that's crazy. But um, Roswell was getting uh, four million viewers per episode on average. And that was that was at its height too. That was its really its highest ratings was season two yeah. when it got around four. I, I looked it up right. But I'm pretty that. sure we Buffy was before. around a seven at the time, so I can see why Warner Brothers was a little worried because they're losing that much. Mm-hmm. You know, a seven to a four is a lot of ad money lost. Well, that's one hour too because. Roswell aired right after Buffy. And then uh, it moved over to UPN. The problem with UPN is it was never on the same amount of networks. In fact, where we lived, we did not have UPN. We had to watch it in Mm -hmm. reruns. Like, I think it was on Fox for a while. Then it would move over to ABC against Saturday Night Live. And I think that's the way it was across the whole country. That is where I caught... Like the last two seasons of Buffy, I think, right? Is that when it moved over? Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it mm-hmm. was. I, I think Buffy would start right after the news, which would make it exactly against. Uh, yeah, Senate it was Live. like 11 or 11:30 yeah. or something. It was really late. And we'd um, always tape it and then watch it like the next day. Yeah, crazy. How could you keep fans if nobody ever knew when you were on, or it was at some ridiculous time? Yeah. Well, and it's plus so, the UPN was never. Stuff- the UPN was never as strong as the WB. They never had as much money. They never had enough like marketing push. They never really had an anchor show like the way Warner Brothers or the WB did. They didn't even have a mascot. It was yeah. just a generic logo, and just like it was really random when you would catch these shows. Yeah. 
So, you know, I'll, I will say that one of the story, the storyline in season two that I simultaneously loved and hated was the, the whole Alex story. So Alex was played by Colin Hanks. He was, you know, an often shafted member of the crew because he was a human, had no powers, and also rarely had any love interests. He was just sort of shoved aside a lot. He was the right? wise, he so, was, well, he was a wise-ass character, but once Nick Wexler's character stopped being the bully and came over to the good side, he yeah. filled that, that, you know, the jokester, the guy with the one-liner. So it was kind of pointless for Colin yeah. Hanks to be there. And once he saw Orange County was available, he asked to be let go, right? Yeah. So so towards the end of season two, um, well, maybe halfway through season two, I think he was probably filming Orange County, right? So they had him mysteriously go off to Sweden. Remember that? It was oh, so weird. Right. He went yeah, to Sweden. Yeah. So, but he didn't really go to Sweden. Uh, so he, they right towards the end they they killed his character and then there was this whole thing about um they they were trying to say that his character committed suicide but liz uh was convinced that it was something else and and they kept trying to make her think she was crazy until she starts finding small little details that led to her being correct and this whole conspiracy about what happened to Alex, which I really liked the storyline. It was really interesting, but I was also devastated that they killed Alex. And didn't, but yes, I believe. Isn't that the one where they had I'm like the sort sure of the, dream sequence with Save Ferris? Save Ferris? I'm almost I don't certain Save Ferris was in, was in that episode where she had, Isabel is dreaming about him and Save Ferris shows up. It is quite possible. I just remember the episode in season two where they go to they go to visit Alex at the college, but he's not really at the college. I don't know. I can't remember. And Nelly Furtado is performing just randomly. Yeah, I hate that. that. I hate that in shows when they do that because it's clearly forced. Like they, okay, Buffy was always doing yeah. that, and I think they did it a little bit on Smallville. Like all of a sudden, a, what? But at least it was like at a club. You know, they, that was one of the main locations for the whole seven years the show was on. Yeah. Was, this, was the bronze. But when they so did it in it Roswell, it was sense. clearly forced. You're just like, oh, crap. And they, and they say it like it's almost like a commercial. Hey, N- Nelly Furtado's performing her new song. They're like just out here in the middle of nowhere. All right. Whatever. Yeah. I don't remember the Save Ferris thing, but I, you have a pretty good memory for random details, so I'm sure it's true. Well, I obsess about yeah, Save Ferris. So. <laughs> she does have some weird dream sequences um, at, the, at the end of season two and at the beginning of season three. Um, Isabel's character, um, he's, she's still kind of being haunted by him um, because they had started a little, like, romance right at the end before they killed off his character yeah she was pretty tormented by it was it creepy go ahead sorry i was just gonna say and then in season three very early on despite the fact that she's supposed to be heartbroken she starts dating this guy who's much much older than her yeah that's what i was about to ask you i was like that is creepy because he looked like he was about 28 and i think she was still like 17 um she i think she she was a year older than the rest of them, so she graduated at the end of season two. So I think she was 18, and the rest of them still had a year of high school. I don't know why I remember that. Yeah, but, I think um, you're right. So she, she, 
She was 18, but he was a lawyer at her dad's law firm, and that's how they met. How old do you have to be before you can even start practicing law? I I mean, you have to go to college. You have to go to law school. You have to pass the bar exam. So what, he was at least 25, 26? Clearly, he did not study ethics (laughs) because that's wrong. Right. So she gets this new love interest, and she's really kind of tormented by her guilt. And I will also say that he was, like, the only uh, person of color on the show ever. Um, So he was Hispanic. And um, I remember that there was a very fascinating, like, I think dream sequence where it's black and white and she it's like in the set in the fifties where she's concerned about what their future might be together because of her powers and stuff. Do you Uh remember that? Yeah, I remember that. I think it's a gimmick that a lot of shows do. Um, I don't think they're the first people to do it, but it's, they certainly weren't the last to have that. Like, I don't know, black and white dream sequence episode. Well, there was that one in Felicity that was kind of infamous is where I think they were like on a box or something. It was all a big dream. I was like, why is this even in here? This doesn't fit Felicity at all. That was the whole entire season though. Well, no, it was not the whole entire season. It was like the last third part of the, of the last season where they totally were like, Oh no, what the fuck do we do? Let's just make up some crappy bullshit. And they're all characters inside a box of like the weird, her weird roommate. I don't know. I don't even understand anything. Yeah. That shows another one where it didn't seem like the minute she cut off her hair is when everything went to shit. Not because she cut off her hair is because when the executives got nervous and they started paying more attention and there's all those letters written and they, and they fucked up the show. But she cut off her hair at the, like, that was after season one. It was there was only one season with her long hair. There was that show was on for four years. Yeah, but it just seemed like that was when the so studio got nervous, or the network went, got nervous, and they started messing. It went with it. downhill after season one. Yeah, I feel like well, that's when I think they started mucking with things, and it just became a slow progress of yeah. no, 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 no. Maybe we need to have a J.J. Abrams TV show conversation because <laughs> I feel like we could talk about about my issues with Felicity for a long time because I have issues with him. Yeah. But anyway. Um, um, yeah, see. you know, they have a lot of TV shows have these weird one-off episodes. And in season three is when they have this very weird one-off episode where her love interest, I don't remember his name right now, um, like proposes to her. And then she has this, this like nightmare about what their future is going to be like or whatever. Season three is actually my favorite. I know that sounds strange because it doesn't have the romance angle. It doesn't have the sci-fi angle. But there's something – I have a weird fascination with shows when they are almost completely confused on what they want to do. Like, you know, uh, you and I are discussing that. I'm obsessed right now with the uh, lost years of Sarah Live where they didn't know what the hell they were doing. Like after the original cast left and before Lauren Michaels came back. Season three is kind of a hodgepodge. I don't know what's going to happen next. You know, it starts off with them being mm-hmm. criminals and they're they're searching for his baby, which I'm still not sure that was the right decision to give them a child. Um, oh, yeah. We forgot about that part. Tess miraculously getting pregnant and having a one-month pregnancy. <laughs> the rules of sci-fi. She gets sent back to the mother planet where she can keep her... She, can, she and the baby can be safe because it cannot be born in safe on earth or something i yeah. forget yeah it's something about the so, it's not conditioned to whatever to earth's environment right 
so then there's that whole thing. She's gone, and then he is suddenly in, like, re- adult responsibility papa mode where he spends all of season three hunting for his baby. Do you remember the episode where he which, tries out for – he wants to be an actor, so he tries out uh, on Star Trek? Like, I guess somebody in the industry is an alien. He's trying to hunt them down. So he tries out for Star Trek. I was like, oh, is that UPN's brilliant idea of cross-marketing? That's terrible. I did not remember that episode, but I did when I was reading, like, I was reading through the descriptions on Wikipedia to try to remember some details. That was one of the things that I read. I was like, nope, don't remember that. Not at all. (laughs) He was a terrible actor, too. He was so nervous he just couldn't get it right. But it just seems so forced. But um, this is one, you know, mm-hmm. you were talking about how Liz gets her powers. And is this the season where they introduce the musician boyfriend for uh, Mahondra Delfino's character? I can't remember her name all of a sudden. Um, isn't he the guy that stars on Lethal Weapon, the TV series now? Yes. I knew it. Yes, it is. I was just looking through the, like, guest star list. And I was like, oh, yeah, that guy. And then I immediately remembered his role he was only on two episodes or something and really he was it seemed like it was to... much longer it wasn't i don't think so he he like i don't know if he was a friend or something and he comes back after several years and tries to woo her and then gets her, tries to get her to like leave with him or something uh-huh. to be a musician uh yeah it is totally the guy from lethal weapon uh and i remember when devin gummersall was in i'm not sure if it was season two or three um but I, yeah, I thought, he was her brother. Yeah, that was not a very good arc. I didn't care for that one either. It was okay. I I thought he was all right, but a lot of times I don't really understand the point of the guest stars. Yeah, well, some um, were clearly like just there because they were popular at the time to get him some sort of um, notice from the press. But why was Morgan Fairchild in the final arc? <laughs> like, oh, let's let's pick a hot current actress. She takes that show and turns it into a, a shitty 80s soap opera. It gets so hokey when she's on there. It, it got real weird. You're right. It got real weird. And it felt just like the awkwardness of Phoebe Herman when she was in that. Paging uh, Mr. Herman. Paging Mr. Herman. Because <laughs> basically, she makes everything awkward because she's not an actress. No. I mean, the funny thing is, the show was kind of canceled, but they gave him like, a, okay, you got three episodes, wrap this shit up, which every show yeah. should be allowed to wrap it up, at least one episode, because we have been left hanging by so many shows. I know. I know. I've been so devastated by so many shows. But, um, you know, there's a few shows that have had the decency to let them wrap shit up. Like this show, which they did it really rushed, and it was a little strange. But still, there was some conclusion. Yeah. I mean, of course, there's the books that took place afterwards, which you and I tried to hunt down. And it seemed like they were very expensive. Mm, they were they were hard to find, and I don't think we ever got all of them. I don't really think that it took place after the show. I think it – did it? I don't remember. I know some of the books took place between seasons as kind of a filler. But I feel like towards the end, yeah. there was another publisher that came in about a year after the show ended. And um, yeah. they did like four or five books. And they were extremely mm. low run. And it, it's like at one yeah. point we're looking at them on eBay and it's like, no, I'm not. we're not paying 40 bucks for a book. This is ridiculous. I remember that I left one of them on an airplane. Ah! I was I was very sad because I've never done that in my entire life. That's the one and only time I've ever done that. 
and I can never get it back. <laughs> I should try to find them now. That would be interesting. I bet you they're really expensive, but um, there is a uh, not really what do you call it? Um, not really a uh, what do you call? It? I, I, I can't think all of a sudden. You know where you write a letter in, whatever, and a bunch of people sign it, co-sign it, whatever. You try to get like a thousand people to sign it to revive a show at a network. Well, they're trying to get the show revived over at Netflix. Uh, like a limited run, like a six episode oh. run or something. Like, a, where are they now? And I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't think anybody. Really... You mean, <laughs> you mean like the Gilmore Girls thing? Yeah, that's what they want to no, do. They I don't want them to do that. No thanks. And I remember. Just let it be. I remember so well that um, I think it was a TV guide where they were talking to the cast uh, for the end of the series, and Katherine Heigl and uh, Brendan Fair both said, "I never want to do another TV series again. I can't imagine playing the same character over and over." And as we know, that <laughs> didn't happen. <laughs> I always joke. Well, joked. you know what? She barely has a career, yeah. even with television at this point. So you know, and you know her attitude about um, what's that show called? Grey's Anatomy You're right. really kind of fucked her career. Sorry, am I not supposed to say that word? No, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, she, that show made her a star, and she shat all over uh, Yeah, it. it just seems so ridiculous that she did that. I was like, what are you doing? So that was started three years after Roswell ended, and uh, shot her to stardom. She was on it for five years, and that and that show has been on for eight years since she quit. Yeah, I can't believe the show's still going. I was like, I thought it got canceled years ago, but no. And then all of a sudden, you read that she got like this huge deal where she got twenty million dollars. I'm like, I, uh, wow, really? It's is it worth that much this late in the run? Really? Okay, I mean, she deserves it because she's been anchoring well, that show forever. But still, wow. She's the only, pretty much the only cast member that is still on. And as she said, you know, the show is called Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> Without her, what is it? I don't yeah, know. True. We're not talking about Katherine Heigl right now. No, no. We're talking about the other girl. What's I her can't name? Really, I don't know. I don't remember. That's a terrible anyway. thing. Um, uh, of course, Jason Barrett kind of disappeared. Um, Brandon Fair was on a TV show for four years that I've never even heard of until now. Is that weird about television? That there's really? so much original content that you don't even know a show that's been on for yeah. years. It was called Night Shift. It was on for four seasons, and he was one of the main characters. And I think it might have been a spitoff. Uh no, I thought it was General a, Hospital. See, I thought it was too. I thought it was a spinoff of General Hospital, but I'm looking at this. There and, was a show. There was a show called Night Shift that was a spinoff of General Hospital. I thought that was with like, oh whatever. I don't know. But this is a drama, and it has two of the main writers for Freaks and Geeks and Undeclared, which now has me very interested. Wait, this is also a doctor show. Yes. It's a medical drama. It's been. On, it was Scott on four years Wolf. for. Was it Scott Wolf? I don't. Yeah, I did. Scott Wolf and Freddie Rodriguez. Love Freddie Rodriguez. That's interesting. Yeah, I gotta hunt this down. I never heard of it. Yeah, so obviously both of them decide to do TV again. I mean, why wouldn't you? I get it too. I'm in a job where I'm bored out of my mind, but I'm also like, I like being able to pay my rent. I don't want to take those risks. It's got to be so scary for an actor because sometimes you sit there going. Dude, you're seriously going to go for a 12th season? Why do you still want to... Oh, that's right. I forgot because auditioning is insanely difficult and a pain in the ass. And you it's never basically, know. It's, it's basically the same thing as having to like uh, interview for jobs and stuff. Yeah. It's like, please like me enough so I can have my house. This, 
this show has some good actors, and some of the episodes were directed by Timothy Busfield and Eric LaSalle, so it's like kind of weird that neither one of us has ever heard of it. Yeah. But, you know, if you don't take these kind of roles, even if you're not even that interested in it, you end up in a danger zone where you're like Tom Welling. Where the hell is Tom Welling? He was on a TV show for 10 years. Everybody knew he was. He was the lead in studio films, and I haven't seen him. Hey, he is now a new character on Lucifer. If you have never seen Lucifer, please, please, please go and watch it. I have never seen it. I have never seen it. That's a sci-fi show, right? Uh, it is, it definitely has, uh, sci-fi elements to it. Okay, well, I mean, not that it has to be sci-fi, because, uh, so Next Planet Over is supposed to be horror, sci-fi, fantasy, stuff that is not of this world. Like, clearly we're not going to discuss ER, but, you know, shows that have more of a otherworldly bent is what we discuss in this show so i can see maybe uh checking out lucifer maybe we can discuss like the first episode but that's further down the road um we will figure yes, out what we're gonna do please please watch it okay I'll, I'll, I'll try to find it that's the thing is if it's not streaming i don't watch regular television so it's uh it's uh i watch it on hulu because i don't have cable yeah i have uh every other app except except that one it's kind of funny i literally have like every single app okay, except for well. hulu so that's what he's doing now. He's he did a couple of crappy movies. He was in like uh what's it called? Nicholas Sparks movie. Barf. And he wasn't even but he wasn't even the male lead, which is the most disturbing part. That sucks. So that and then now he's on the new season of Lucifer, which he's it's pretty interesting what they're doing over there so it's always rough for anybody who plays superman i feel like either you get you know really bad shit like the first two or i think the first two Mm -hmm. um and then you end up either like a a a-hole like dean kane who um yeah Yeah. Uh, i didn't want to discuss that because that guy's turned into a real dick um you know and then you got brandon routh Supergirl sometimes now oh well that's good Brandon Routh is having a nice comeback with Legends of Tomorrow. So, I know. He's so good on that show. He is. He's really likable. Um, yeah, so it's just it's always Actually, kind of a worry. I really when, like when you, that show. When you get pinned down to a superhero role, it seems to be the hardest. Like Batman, Superman, stuff like that. Um, it seems like it kind of weighs you down. That's why I can see like some people are like, okay, I did one of them. I'm done. You're like, what? And then you're like, well, do yeah. you see Chris Evans doing anything other than Captain America movies? Uh, no. Yes. Well, yes, but no one sees them. They're like these tiny independent movies. I saw them. I really liked the last movie he was in was called Gifted. That was not a superhero movie. It was really good. Anyway, sorry. But I'm also a huge Chris Evans fan, so whatever. (laughs) Snowpiercer was awesome, but hardly anybody saw that one. I know. Hey, I just read that they're making a TV series on TNT. Yeah, it's it's weird that these movies just came out and they're already making a TV show of it, so it's, it's really strange. Hey, so are are you wanting to wrap up our conversation about Roswell? Yeah, we are at an hour. Is there anything else you want to say before we go? Hey, how about this? Can you? How about you tell me one one who was your favorite character, like regular character throughout the series, and two who was your favorite guest star? Uh, Michael's my series. favorite character because I just uh, not because my name is also Michael. Uh, I just really fascinated by his character, even though there are times in those first seasons, uh, in the first season, where he is a terrible actor. He acts with his eyebrows and his squinty nose. It's like, oh no, someone stop him now, please. <laughs> um, 
And this very bad spiky haircut. Oh, yeah, and then it got long and weird and greasy. Uh, by season three, yeah. it got better. Um, favorite guest? Um, God, I don't even remember his name. But he was on that show, The Ghost Whisperer, and he was on Boston Public for a while. But he was the FBI agent in the first season. I thought he was yeah. really David, cool but menacing. David Chase or something? I'm not sure. David Chase or something like that. I don't know. I know who you're talking about, though. Um, okay, mine? Well, I did mention that... Kyle Valenti was my favorite character. You kind of hate him at first, but man, he really, like, he changes so much over the course of the three seasons that he ends up being so, like, endearing and kind when he, like, when um, Tess ends up living with him and his dad and they take her in and then, uh, I don't know, he ends up being, like, a really nice character and funny and interesting. Um, But... Then my favorite guest star, I guess, would be Julie Benz yeah, in she was season good. one. I'm just glad you didn't say Morgan Fairchild. <laughs> Morgan Fairchild. No, I thought that she, uh, you know, she started out pretty innocuous. She's supposed to be like, what, a teacher or a guidance counselor or something like that. But then she starts you know, getting really weird and asking them all these questions and being sneaky. And then she goes full on batshit crazy. <laughs> did, did you see her when she was And at I the love her progression. Did I see her what? Did you see her at that convention we went to? Um, Sacramento? What? You remember she was at the Sacramento Comic Con? No, I, I don't think she was there the year I went. Oh, okay. Yeah, we, we sat in a panel with her, and I totally forgot that she was in Roswell because everybody's asking her about, like, Boondock Saints 2. And Dexter and uh-huh. Buffy and stuff like that. Uh, even Punisher War Zone, uh, you know, got some comments. I totally forgot about Roswell until like just today. I was like, oh, that's right. Duh. Oh, maybe I went on a different day than you. You did. I remember, think that must have been it. You, you went on the day. Well, okay. I thought they were still out on the floor for autographs and stuff like that. But she looks amazing. She looks almost the same for like the last twenty years. I know she's pretty awesome. So you went on, like, Saturday, and I went on Sunday or something, and right. that's when I, I saw Chris Hemsworth Duh. and uh, also John Bernthal, and that was, like, maybe the year the year after the first season of Walking Dead. It was, like, maybe, or after they were, you know, after they killed him off. Yeah, yeah. It was, right, sure. it was after that. Um, so every single question was about that, of course. And I'm like, I want to ask a question about the class. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Nobody remembers this because that's all he does. I'm, all he does now is serious drama stuff. And I'm like, you started well, off in comedy. <laughs> but that's pretty much the only comedic thing he's ever done as yeah. far as I understand. Yeah, but he was and good. I, apparently, he was good in that. We apparently we were the only ones who watched that show. Huh. So, um, and then also I saw Stan Lee and what's his name, um, the old Chinese man. Oh, from Big Trouble in China. Shit, why can't I remember? Uh, uh, James, James Hong. Wong. James Hong. James Hong. He was amazing. It was a really good experience. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. Anyway. No, I didn't see her, but I would have loved to have seen her because she's amazing. Well, what was sad was the fact that the place is empty. There's like maybe 30 of us in there, and it was just really – it was sad for her, but it was also really intimate. And then the next guest was Michael Rosenbaum, who killed – I mean, he just destroyed – 
but that place was only half full. And then you got Bruce Campbell up there, and he's half-assing it. Mm -hmm. He doesn't give a shit. And it was embarrassing. It was an insult to the fans. I know people still worship Bruce Campbell, but I was really pissed about that. Oh, that's super bummed. That's a, that's really crappy. Yeah. You know what else is weird is that I, I also saw the panel for um, Boondock Saints, and she wasn't there. That's weird. Which would have been an interesting. Yeah, she's in the second one. Maybe they just wanted to ignore the second one. I, I know. Don't know. I don't know. They had like the, the two brothers, and then what's the one really goofy guy? You've seen the. Here's the thing about Boondock Saints. I've never finished it. I've never even made it past the first half hour because I think it's macho bullshit. And I know some people want to stab my oh. eyes out right now. And I, you like it. I'm I know not saying, almost everybody I know likes no, this movie. I'm not saying I like it. I'm saying I've seen it. Oh, but you've seen the second one, right? I, I have, but I also have a husband who really freaking loves those movies, so <laughs> just, I, I've seen it. Yeah, I just can't, which is yeah. weird because I watch a lot of macho bullshit, and yet for some reason I can't lock into it. Maybe we should have uh, an episode where we just, we or a series where we talk about people who are pigeonholed into the sci-fi world and all of their roles. Let's just have a Julie Benz episode. Yeah. Well, the nice part, though, is that, yes, she's in that genre, but she rarely ever plays the same kind of character. That is definitely true. That's um, an excellent point. Yeah, I wonder if that's why Jason Bear left. Um, not because work dried up for him so much as it seemed like he was stuck in that. Once you do a horror movie or a sci-fi movie that resonates yeah. with people, it feels like you are stuck in that genre. And look, it went from Roswell mm -hmm. Grudge, D-War, The Tattooist, and then everything else that he did that was different, um, it's either never come out, because I think there's a couple projects that have never come out, or it's barely released on video. Not even in theaters, just on video, like a low run. And it's got to be heartbreaking. What a shame. I know. What a shame. The lot. He hasn't acted in six years. The last thing he did was Breakout Kings, that really short-lived A&E show. Yeah, that was that a long show? time ago. It was like 10 years ago, wasn't it? It said it was on 2012. Oh, okay. So I guess it was more recent than I remember. I, You know, the other thing I was going to so say. So six years. There is a movie that's hard to find. It was a sci-fi channel movie, but it had Sheeri Appleby as a superhero, but kind of like in the way the Image Comics, Dark Horse, you know, not like Marvel or DC, but she had these special powers. Mm -hmm. um, the special effects are decent. It's really low budget. But she's really good in it, mm -hmm. and uh, it, it, I, I don't even sure if it's on video, but it's called Dark Light. Oh, I think I remember that movie. Um, you know what's interesting, though, is that she has been on a TV show for, like, since, like, 2015 on the Lifetime channel that I've never even heard of. <laughs> See, like I how said. Are you, how are you on? Yeah, you're on a show for four years already, and it's still on, and I've never seen it. TV's crazy I, now. Yeah, anyway. Um, so yeah, let's uh, wrap way this too up. Much to keep up with. Yeah. Um, yeah. anything you want to pitch before we go? Pitch? Nah. All right. Everybody, check us out on Facebook under Retro Rocket Entertainment. We've also built a special page for Next Planet Over where you'll get the episodes from us, the team over at Above the Airwaves. They're, they're more consistent than we are. They do shows that are really recent. They watch uh, the pilot episodes of shows from every season or whatever, discuss it, and decide, 
Does it have a future? Will they continue watching it? So their vibe is a little bit different. They're they're now, whereas we're more of a retro kind of show where we go back on entire series and discuss it. Um, and then every once in a while we have other guests come in and do shows for us, like the Twin Peaks episode. Um, but also we share uh, DVD release news, uh, show renewal news, you know, anything related to sci-fi, cult, horror, you know, fantasy shows is there. Um, and Mindy, thank you very much for doing this episode with me. Thanks for continuing to put up with me. Nah, you're a good guest. I don't have to sweat it. Uh, there's some guests where I'm just like trying to push them over the line. Like, let's just get this episode over, please. Well, I mean, I'm a librarian, so that makes me trustworthy and reliable, right? Yes, it does. I. When's the last time you heard a serial killer was a librarian? <laughs> Ooh, don't go there. That's creepy. Has that ever happened? It I don't think means- so. It also means that I have access to materials that most people can't get. Well, I mean, when's the last thing you heard Woo-hoo! of, like, embezzling or, like, uh, even some sort of ethical issues at libraries? No. At the most, you're going to have, like, how late's that book? All right, just just give me a buck. We're good. Thank you. <laughs> Librarians are probably the most yeah, honest I... people. <laughs> We're pretty decent. Sweet. All right, everybody. Okay, have bye. a good night and uh, send us out. <laughs> what? I'm missing what you're saying. I'm sorry. Uh... I don't know. I started feeling awkward about me being a librarian. So, okay. (laughs) Bye. Welcome to another episode of Back in Tunes. Eh, what's this? Uh, Jacob's sitting this one out. It's just me, your co-host, Michael. We're going to be doing another perfect Saturday morning playlist. Uh, this episode, we have a guest, Eric. How's it going, Eric? Doing good, doing good. All right, so we haven't done one of these in a while. Kind of been sitting on the, you know, on the side, basically, while we're trying to wrap up our final season of Back in Tunes. But I want to get some more of these perfect Saturday mornings in before we end the show. Um, so Eric, you, I, you and I discussed that, uh, you have a project coming up and it'd be the perfect time for you to do an episode. Yeah. I've been listening to these for a while and wanting to do one. Um, I've got a book that I'm going to be kickstarting over the course of February. Um, it'll be kind of a young adult fantasy novel. Um, I've been writing it for about a year and a half, two years now. Is it going to be a really thick, like, Harry Potter-style novel, or is it the old school, like, the 80s, where it was, like, 180, 200 pages, and you're out? This will be, like, 250 pages, but this is a, this book's, a, this book's like, a two-parter. I split it down the middle when I was writing it and decided it worked better as two books instead of one. So the, this one will come out this February, and then the next one will come out next February, and that'll be one complete story um, in a, hopefully in a series of books that I'll write in this universe. Nice. And it's Sword and Sorcery, correct? Yes. Did we yes. mention the title of the book? I can't remember if we did. <laughs> not, not yet, not yet. It's um, it's called uh, it's called the Empress and the Archer, the Ar- uh, the Empress's Quest. Okay, cool. And, and you're doing a two parter, but if they're successful, are you planning on doing like more to this world, like spinoffs, or uh, is it over like a huge yeah, series? I've got, I've got right now. I have uh, one, two, three, four. I've got four 
two-parter books planned out, and then every third book would be a book of short stories that take place like before and during the last two books. Okay, okay. So a little bit of the uh, Tolkien flavor with the short stories, which eventually would fill in his Middle-earth world. Yeah, yeah. And then I was always a really big fan of uh, Terry Brooks's generational sagas um, and how it kind of like spread out and you got this whole big world filled in over the course of a bunch of books, which I wouldn't be jumping characters as quick as he does, but I would probably eventually have a time jump where I, you know, started to look at a new cast of characters for this world. Yeah, as a kid, I was a huge fan. Um, actually, even up till probably about 10 years ago, I read the Conan books pretty obsessively. But not a lot of people remember awesome. is that the stories jumped around in time a lot. Whereas then, you know, like in the 60s, uh, El Sprague de Camp went around and like streamlined the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Conan's one of those things that's on my, on my list really big, mostly because I'm a huge Lovecraft fan. And I know how big of good of friends he and Lovecraft were. Um, and that they each wrote things under the other one's name every now and then. Oh, nice. So there are there are some Conan the Barbarian stories that were written by H.P. Lovecraft, but no one has any idea which ones they were. I had no idea. You tell me that right now it just blows my mind because I had no clue. <clears throat> yeah. All um, right. So we'll it's the reason why those. one of we're, we're, we'll put that up on uh, my Facebook page. You know, when you get ready for your Kickstarter, but you do have a page set up for it, correct? Yes, I do. I do. It's it's just called the Empress and the Archer. Um, we're about, yeah, it's just called The Empress and the Archer. And you are uh, the admin on a fan page, like nerdy stuff, correct? Nerd Club? Yes, the Nerd Club. I uh, I founded it, uh, I guess, four years ago now. Yeah, we're past four years now. Um, I was working at a place, and it was my job to update their, that company's Facebook page and keep people interested. And so I did, uh, like, nerdy bracketed fight club battles between dc and marvel characters and went hey i'm not bad at this this is pretty fun i bet i could do this with friends and so started doing it there um and it kind of turned into a way bigger thing than i had uh, expected to we're nearing a thousand members yeah that group's grown very fast i think i joined was around 280 or so about five years ago four years ago maybe it it only started four years ago okay. i think i don't think you weren't too far in, we weren't too too far along when you joined though you've been in there for a while yeah, I, I apologize. There's times when I'm not really part of the group. I just kind of come in and promote the podcast and go back out. And I, I forget sometimes. You need to be part of a community, people. It's not a self-service page. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, there, there are times when I'm not. We, uh, we wanted to do a big event in November and did all of the work to get it ready. And then it completely fell apart on us. And we never even ended up hosting it. And we were all like, the six of us who'd worked on it were super bummed. But we were like, it took us way too long to get our ducks in a row. And now it's too late to do this. Yeah, group all efforts right, on the internet have always been kind of torturous. It's just like, okay, everybody, no, you, okay, nobody's ready. Uh, and nobody is even available tonight. All right, for, we'll just put it off for a while. Yeah. Hurting cats is the term that I like to use. <laughs> all right, everybody. So check out that uh, Kickstarter coming up here next month. Actually, by the time this probably airs, it will be this month uh, in the Facebook page for that. And uh, let's go ahead and start our perfect Saturday morning. If you've never listened to one of these episodes, this is a spinoff episode of Back in Tunes where we have a guest come on and take the idea of if you ran your own network, what would you schedule for your Saturday morning? You have a choice of any kind of animation, any genre. It can be daytime, syndicated, primetime, morning. You know, it can be whatever you want, any era. And basically breaking down, how would you do your perfect Saturday morning? So, Eric, let's get started. How early of a riser are you? Well, 
Uh, Saturday mornings typically not very. I had a job where I had to get up early in the morning, so I didn't uh, I didn't get up too early. But for Saturday morning cartoons as a kid, I got up early. I got up at six a.m. and I was I was all about me some Saturday morning cartoons as a kid. I um, love I, what I love about the Saturday morning pre like their normal set schedule is you get like the older stuff. You get the syndicated stuff that didn't have any room anywhere else. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I used to watch. Uh, I used to love the really old school, like '70s era cartoons that would come on. Unfortunately, none of those have made it into this list because I was just I was too short on stuff. Um, mostly, this is '90s through early 2000s. What I'm going to go through today, but there were some. There was you know things like Tennessee Tuxedo and George of the Jungle and Top Cat that I really just like pained me not to like talk about in depth and put into this list. I cheated when we did our list. Um, by the way, everybody, you'll notice my voice is different. I've been horribly sick, and I still haven't recovered. If I try to go higher than this voice, I crack like Peter Brady. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. So I got to do the smooth AM radio talk voice. <laughs> um, but for me, I cheated. I did one episode where it's all pre-1980 animation, and eventually I'm going to get around to the post-1980 because I could not make that choice. And since it's my show, I cheated, and I feel terrible for everybody else. <laughs> no, no, that, that, that's fair. That's fair. So first thing on my list, uh, I, you know, I was born in 87, so there is no list of animation for me that doesn't begin with Justice League Unlimited. Nice. Like, I just I have to have it there, you know. It built on the wonderful things that have been done with Batman the animated series and with Superman the animated series, and then on on top of Justice League as well. We got a Suicide Squad episode of Unlimited. We got to watch the Flash run around the planet and punch Lex Luthor, get absorbed into the Speed Force, and come back out. Um, like the great job that was my first introduction to Green Arrow, who has become my favorite comic book character. So yeah. Not, it just there isn't a list that doesn't start with Justice League Unlimited for me. Well, for me, Justice League Unlimited is the one that is the uh, the one that does not kill my attention span. I, as much as I enjoy the two thousand one two thousand two series, um, it's the same group over and over, and they're always like these longer arcs. And yeah. sometimes, if the arc isn't, if I'm not into that first part of the arc, I know it's going to be a while. It's like, oh, I got three more parts of this. Whereas Unlimited. They open the book to anybody who was ever a Justice Leaguer or potential Justice Leaguer. Where else are you going to find arcs with the question? A very niche, um, exactly. C, D-level character that, you know, isn't even like, even in the DC universe, he isn't really like a, a mainstream kind of guy. He's always been kind of a niche. Yeah. Well, and there's that, there's that one episode that's, it's literally, it's Green Arrow and a whole bunch of other people, none of whom have powers, fighting that one general who's now given himself superpowers to fight the Justice League and keeps ranting about people with powers. And they're like, you're the only one here with superpowers, dude. <laughs> and it's like, oh, snap! <laughs> and um, that you're right, that is a culmination of that universe because you know we went through uh, Batman, Batman and Robin, Adventures, then Superman, then Justice League, and, and Justice League Unlimited is the end of that whole road, correct? There isn't anything afterwards. Um, no, there isn't, because even the none of the stuff they've done in the animated movies has taken place in that universe. They haven't done, they haven't even touched that universe since then. Yeah, and um, I, I just don't think any of the animation feels the same. I watch the movies now, and the storylines are great, but the animation bothers me because it's very anime, and the colors are washed out. I'm like, can we just have the Bruce Tim? Paul Dini world back where it's like right. bright, beautiful colors and wonderful shapes of all, you know, all, you know, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. 
Tim wants to do Bruce Tim wants to do a Superman Red Sun movie, and which I can't imagine them not letting him. Um, so that could be cool to see. But I I really like my favorite of the DC animated is, is by far uh, uh, Justice League New Frontier, and that's just because they managed to recreate the Darwin Cook animation and make it look like Darwin Cook animated a, a movie. Um, but it's definitely very much more of the bright, you know, rounded co- rounded features and colors, and just very much that kind of old school feel to it. Well, the problem with the the whole DC universe is that it's hung up on Batman. Yes, Batman is great. I, I love him too. Yeah. But it can't be ninety percent Batman, especially with their animated movies. There's so many characters to right. choose from, and I just wish they get off that hook. And back in the back when they were first releasing these, we got all kinds of different characters, and it was like, all right, cool, we're gonna have all these different things. We got a you know the Green Lantern movie and a Wonder Woman movie. And then they've kind of, since then, it's just been like, even the Just League Dark, which was really, really good, had a lot of Batman in it. And it was like, I, you know, I, I get it that Batman sells things, but I would have, you could have taken a risk on this, and it probably would have paid off just as well to not have them in there. I would love to see a adaptation of my favorite Justice League in the comic books. I know is now looked back on as being a joke, which is kind of the point was the 87 relaunch by uh, DeMattis, uh, Kevin Maguire, um, crap, I can't remember the other guy. But you know where it was really comedic, where it was uh, Captain Marvel. The Justice League International run? Yeah, the Justice League International, where it was Booster Gold, Blue Beetle, John Jones, Fire and Ice, you know, uh, Guy Gardner as the Green Lantern. That's my favorite run. Yeah. Oh, that was, like, I would I would watch that in a heartbeat as like uh, as, like, a Kevin Smith movie. Like, I, I feel like that's the direction you go with that. You just, you know, be like, here you go. We hire a comedic director, make it, you know, kind of almost like a buddy cop movie with Booster Gold and Blue Beetle, like, screwing up and then having to save the planet or something. Yeah, you know? and I think that's a perfect Get comedy. Gwendolyn Christie to come in and play Big Barda. Like, just do <laughs> it. Just pull the trigger on that and have it happen. The only problem with it is they never really had any good villains. Um, it's it's weird that Maxwell Lord, their leader, ended up being basically the villain. But that run is not known for having a good villain. It's just a, a funny sitcom. It's like a side note to the yeah. real Justice League. Right. And I always – it was actually the kind of the, – the only thing that I was disappointed about when Ben Affleck got cast as Batman was that I thought he'd have made a great Maxwell Lord. <laughs> he would have been, yeah. Um, <clears throat> we're going a little long on this one, so I, I, we'll probably wrap it up. But, yeah, yeah. That, I think that would be so, a fun movie to do. But what what comes up after Justice League? Next up, uh, I don't know if you know about this one or that many people do anymore, but I was a huge fan of the show Mighty Max growing up. You know, it that's actually coming up on the, the show. Um, Jacob's, so I'm, oh, 40, really? I'm 41. I missed out on a lot of the stuff that he's into because there's a 10-year difference between us. Actually, actually, there's a 13-year yeah. difference between us. And he said, let's do a whole Max episode, like Max Steel, Mighty Max. I think there's another one in there. Um, nice. Uh, Fantastic Max is the other one, and we're going to do that all for one. Oh, and then there's Sam and Max, which is a short-lived cartoon. Yeah. So I've missed all of those. Okay, well, Mighty Max was awesome. It was super violent for, like, a 90s animated kid show that was – it was a toy spinoff uh, so they could sell basically Polly Pockets to boys. <laughs> um, but it's like – I mean, it it was dark. People died in it, and the end of the show is like – one of the best uses of time travel that I've uh, seen, like, even on, like, you know, so-called real television. Um, like, you know, they didn't have a problem with characters losing sometimes and with bad things happening to people. Also, Tim Curry was the bad guy, so you really can't beat Tim Curry as your villain. 
Yeah, this is like the oh. heyday when he was doing tons of voice work before he had his like, you know, his revival for theatrical films. But yeah, I, I love yeah. listening to his voice. I, actually, I think the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I think seven of the shows that I have listed out of my ten, I know for a fact had Tim Curry do voice work on them. Holy crap! Is... <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> New record. Um. So yeah. The Tim, Cur- I guess Tim Curry's voice was a big part of my childhood. Me so, <laughs> all right. What is after Mighty Max? I looked that up, by the way. That looks like it's fun. Well, I got, I had it confused with Fantastic Max, which is about a baby, and I was like, you said violent. I was like, what? <laughs> Mighty Max. It was a kid named Max, and then there was this like bird guy named Virgil, and this big warrior guy whose name I cannot remember at the moment. But I mean, he had like this big sword, and there's a awesome episode about him fighting an, an evil Viking king in the snow and. Like it's like I said, it's really good. But next up, I, I gotta I gotta throw it back. I gotta acknowledge GI Joe, real American hero. Um, I was just like, I bought the 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 Blu-ray of the movie. I bought the day it came out, partially because it actually they had um, gone back in and it was an expanded uh, cut, so you actually saw more of the picture in every scene. There was a Oh, right, because it, it was originally intended for a theatrical release, but because Transformers bombed it, it went straight to video, and they cut it up for television. Yeah, right? yeah, and so this is the this is the real cut of the movie, and I mean, it still looks gorgeous. Um, it's it's one of those things where like you go back and you watch it, and you're like, oh man, this is so '80s. It's so it's kind of goofy, and it's really you know just kind of propaganda to a large extent. But they've never ever managed to replicate how much fun that original series was. Um, not to mention the fact that you had the like really dark episodes, like the one where Shipwreck gets kidnapped by Cobra, brainwashed into thinking that he's a soldier with PTSD and is, you know, married and has a kid, and then you find out the whole thing is just like a Cobra a mind-breaking camp so they can try to, like, weasel secrets out of him. Huh. And you're like, this is, this is dark, guys. Um did you ever read the comic I remember book? Roommate and I – yeah, some, yes. I've actually got – I actually picked up – there was a big comic book sale in the town I live in, and I actually managed to pick up some G.I. Joe – old school G.I. Joe comics from them when they were uh, selling everything off for like five and six bucks a, a trade. Nice. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the comic book. The comic goes really dark at times, even though it has to somehow fit in. Every, every time there was a new toy line, because that was like every spring, they had to fit in the new yeah. characters, and sometimes it was really convoluted. But I think Larry Hammond did a great um, job with the comic. I, I'm, I'm okay with the cartoon. As I get older, it's a little more of a struggle. That that second series from Deke, the one that went from 89 to 91, that one had a great theme song. Yeah. I think even a better theme song, but the storylines are a lot weaker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you had that happen. I mean, then, you know, like, I remember I had a roommate, and we used to... Uh, we went one Saturday. We found out that all of Power Rangers were on Netflix. So we watched the pilot and the finale for every single Power Rangers series over the course of one Saturday. And some <laughs> That's of them a were long really, Saturday. Really bad. <laughs> it, it was a long Saturday. Yeah. Um, there was there was there was alcohol involved in making it through that. I'm not even going to pretend. Um, <laughs> but we tried to watch we tried to watch one of the more recent GI Joe series. I can't even what it was called, but it was. It was like G.I. Joe via the 18th because the Joes were only like three or four people who were on the run from the government and they were like 
having to fight Cobra, but like in secret because Cobra had maybe taken over the G.I. Joe like group entirely. It was it had the potential to have been really good, but it was really bad. And the animation was really bad. And they decided to use Roadblock and still keep him rhyming everything he said. Yeah, I think that's Renegades. Renegades and Sigma 6 had so much potential, but they blew it almost immediately. Uh, part of it's because the animation style I just didn't get into, but uh, the storyline yeah. just was like, oh, you're trying to make this edgy. You don't need to make it edgy. It, it's literally people shooting each other in military warfare. It's already edgy. Cool it, all right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, no, and it lost me the second I saw a shipwreck show up, and I was like, nope, nope, this is the worst version of shipwreck I've ever seen. Yeah. I hate this. Um like this is this is awful. But I, I uh, moving on from GI Joe, uh, I've got to talk about Gargoyles next. Gargoyles, one of the very just, last cartoons that I would watch before I started switching over to like the more grown up stuff. You know, this is when um, prime yeah. time cartoons started like in mass, um, start coming out yeah. crazy. But Gargoyles is one of those like, all right, you know what? Any age group can watch this. Right, and I, I wish that Disney ha- was didn't wasn't so weird about it because I own it all. I own it all bootlegged. But the bootlegs aren't great and got the Disney Channel like marker on the bottom of it. And it doesn't have the episodes where Elisa Maza gets shot because they, they still weren't they weren't airing those anymore. Um, so like it's like I wish I want this whole thing, guys. I want you to release it. There was a rumor a couple of years ago that uh, the guy who does all the Marvel movies wanted to do a Gargoyles movie, but nothing ever came of that. So I assume that it was just something that people made up on the Internet. The problem with Disney is the more they buy, the more they ignore their own properties, stuff that has much love. Think about Disney 25 years ago when they were doing Darkwing Duck. Um, You know, they had, uh, what's the one that's a ripoff, not a ripoff, but it's their twisted version of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Is it Bonkers? Oh, no, yeah, Bonkers. Bonkers, I I loved Bonkers. Bonkers was great. I actually forgot about Bonkers when I was putting this list together. Dang. Now, Bonkers and Bonkers actually did like some cool stuff, like when they transitioned who his partner was, and were like, okay, cool, you know, this is gonna, his life's gonna change a bit. And then they did like a half season that was uh, all the old Bonkers cartoons from when he was like a movie star. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, that's a cool like idea to have gone with. But yeah, no, they ignore like you know, Darkwing Duck, Ducktales, Tailspin, Rescue Rangers, Bonkers. Um, Marsupilami, and they just kind of like ignore all of those and just like kind of pretend they never happened. And it's now we have the Ducktales series, which is actually really good. Um, and they're going to spin, dark, they're going to have Darkwing Duck show up on an episode of it, and may even spin him off into his own series again, which I wouldn't have any issues with. Yeah, but for the most part, <clears throat> excuse me, Disney has ignored a lot of their properties. I'm still shocked to this day that they decided not to go forward with Tron Three, even though they started pre-production. They're like, "Oh, we don't have a room on our schedule." They don't have room on their schedule. It's not that they didn't want to make it or right. it wasn't a good script. They just didn't because they have too many Star Wars movies and too many Avengers movies. They, why don't they just license? Right, we literally out? had Killian Murphy. We literally had Killian Murphy show up in an uncredited part in Tron Two to make him the villain for Tron Three, and then we just dropped the threat entirely. Uh, yeah, it's so frustrating because I feel like right now they need to hand over their catalog, their old catalog to, you know, just give it to Lionsgate. Somebody who, you know, will cultivate um, a cult property yep. like that and turn it into something. 
Maybe maybe they'll do that with New Fox. New Fox is what they're calling it, I think, because that worked out so great for New Coke and New Pepsi. Really? Yeah, um, I was going to say. And does that mean they're going to neuter any more Kingsman films? Are they going to destroy Deadpool sequels? I, I don't want them having their right. hands on my Planet of the Apes, you damn dirty animals! <laughs> yeah, that, I hadn't thought about that. That's going to make me sad because these this, this most recent trilogy of Planet of the Apes films are just about perfect, and uh, I really don't want anybody messing with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's all about the bottom line. I'm uh, guessing. Yeah. I'm guessing this is just in order to get the catalog for their digital channel because you know they separated from Netflix at the end of this year, and yeah. so they're oh, probably yeah. they're probably going to use all of the digital rights that Fox has and then sell everything else off. They probably just want you know we want X Men, we want Fantastic Four back, we want Deadpool, and you know the the video rights for Star Wars, and then all those digital rights for our 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 station that we're going to have coming up, and everything else they'll probably sell off to. Whoever I don't know, Paramount or whoever. Well, yeah, they they now they now also have controlling interest in Hulu as well. Yeah, because um, well, they've managed to buy up like like sixty percent of the rights to that. So they all who knows what they'll do with that. Yeah, it's kind of the same way it happened with MGM. It, the same way it happened with DreamWorks is they'll cut up the properties. I think Paramount owns part of um, uh, DreamWorks, whereas the animation division yeah. has this huge deal like separate with Netflix. So. We're in a weird world where our, these ancient catalogs, these companies that have been around for a hundred years, um, are now sliced up, just bits and pieces everywhere. Who knows who owns what? Yeah, no, right. Uh, I uh, there are a couple of websites that you know you can go to, and they'll tell you where what streaming service the show you want to watch is on, but they keep getting shut down because they use you know like private data to figure out what's on what streaming service, yeah. um, and so. But yeah, but no, Gargoyles was just, I mean, the best. You had a great villain who became a great anti-hero um, in Xanatos and in Demona. Um, the last season was awful, but that's because they changed, Disney fired the showrunner and got a new showrunner in, and he had totally different ideas about where the show should go, so he gave us the Goliath Chronicles, which I wasn't ever a huge fan of, even watching it later on. I've been yeah. still like, this is not good. Has that um, ever worked? Whenever they fire the showrunner and replace them, it, 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 I don't think it's ever worked. No, no, um, not, not. I'm trying to think if there is something, but let's no. Ren and Stimpy no, probably no. being the most infamous. Like, let's get rid of the guy who you know made this show so fantastic, and let's just make it as generic and quick as possible. And then you watch the audience just dive. Just yeah, yeah, no. Like going, even going from things where like the showrunner left before the season started. Like there are a lot of cool ideas that I can see in Star Trek Discovery, but I haven't been a huge fan of it. I think a lot of that is because they've gone through like three showrunners in one season. Yeah, that's not. It's a good, like no. not a good plan. Yeah, Gargoyles um, is um, like you said, it's one of those fantastic shows from the '90s that really holds up. The problem with the '90s is, and the problem and the great part is that it's kind of a schizophrenic decade. You got a lot of like smaller independent <laughs> stuff, like usually on Nickelodeon, um, and then you have like the yeah. bigger budget mainstream stuff, which was going darker because of like the success of Batman. And X-Men, car, uh, cartoons were allowed to go yeah. a little bit deeper. So it's a strange decade, but there are some truly great gems out of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and some of those little shows that you never think about or ne you know, no one ever talks about anymore, um, like like the next show on my list, uh, which is called SWAT Cats, The oh, Ultimate SWAT Squadron. Cats. Yeah, we did that one. <laughs> I was actually surprised. I thought it was going to be a Ninja Turtles ripoff, and I was pleasantly surprised. 
Nope, it's almost more of like a Judge Dredd ripple. Yeah, which is weird for a cartoon in the day. <laughs> you got Mega Cat City. Um, <laughs> the cat puns are almost physically painful at this point. <laughs> um, but, you know, and it was another one where we got, what, three episodes into the second season? Or three episodes into the third season, and they just canceled it, and there was no more of it. And I was like, okay. They changed the theme song. They changed, like, a couple of voice actors, and it was just like, bam, here you go, and then it was just gone. And I was like, oh, well, okay. Um, I remember watching it as a kid and being very disappointed when it wasn't on and it's a time slot anymore, and I was like, where's where, where are my cats piloting fighter jets and fighting evil lizard cats? Because I can't call them lizard men, I guess, because he's a lizard cat and robot cats. Okay, this this is goofy, guys. But that was another uh, Tim Curry was the one of the big villains in it. Wonder Brothers, right? Uh, I mean, not sorry, Wonder Brothers. Hanna Barbera is this one of their last original productions? Yeah. yeah. Well, didn't they do the same I thing with so, Pirates yeah. of Darkwater? They left you kind of hanging towards the end. You're just like, what the hell? Oh yeah, yeah. I remember, man. I remember. I can vividly remember watching Pirates of Darkwater commercials in between other shows on Cartoon Network. That's how much how much time I spent watching these. <laughs> um, I can remember the commercials for other things. That's crazy. Yeah, you know, like I said, it's it's one that doesn't age great as you're getting older, but it's still just like so much fun to think back and remember. And the cat puns are just a thing of glory. They they had someone on on staff, I'm sure, just to come up with cat puns. Yeah, probably some like comedian who's tired of doing like the rounds. Like, what do you got? Do you want to write jokes about cats? Yeah, you know what? That sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll feed you. Okay. Um, All right. What do we uh, have after SWAT cats? After SWAT Cats, there was, uh, and I guess this was Disney trying to capitalize off of the success of the Mighty Ducks movies. I got to talk about the Mighty Ducks animated series, yeah. um, which was another Tim Curry show. He was the main villain in it. Yeah, and Jim Belushi, which uh, well, uh, surprised me because at the time he was yeah. still kind of a top star. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was just was another one that kind of just like, I think there were two seasons of it. And then they ended it on a complete cliffhanger and never came back to it. And it was just like, okay, guys. I think the funniest um, thing about the series is they go to this big convoluted like way of explaining that they're aliens from another planet. They come down and then they just hide in plain sight. And I just was like, all right. I mean, that's actually putting some thought into it. Because back in the 80s, they would have just said, no, they're ducks. They're just ducks and no one cares. The du ducks, no one cares. But at least in this, they explain that everyone thinks they're wearing, like, elaborate costumes. And it's like, oh, all right, cool. You had that, you had the, there was that one really great episode that, where they, I think it's called Puck Fiction. And, because <laughs> that was hockey puns was everything yeah, yeah. there. And uh, they basically, the entire episode is told from the point of view of their manager telling the police detective who's always investigating them, this story about what was going on over the course of the episode. And it's like this really solid, like kind of Tarantino-y way of telling an episode of a kid show. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it was a very unique oh, idea. I'm obsessed with the movies. I don't know why they're not that great. They're just fun. I guess I was that perfect age to watch them. And, um, I liked the cartoon, but at the same point I was just like, Oh no, it's a whole different beast. All right. Yeah. This is, this is a different creature entirely. Um, I'll, uh, I'll go on to another duck. i got to talk about Darkwing Duck. Because, oh, Darkwing I mean, Duck. Oh, my God. Batman, you know, um, you had, you know, like, going back, and I went back and rewatched a, lo a lot of it uh, last year. I can't remember why, but I did. 
and like I had watched Daredevil by this point, and I went, oh, Taurus Bulba's just uh, uh, Wilson Fisk. I got it. Okay. This is just Wilson Fisk. Cool. Well, wow. And the funny thing okay. is, at the time, that was... everybody was saying that Darkwing Duck was basically like their parody of Batman, but what I saw was the shadow more. You know, I just, I was like, oh yeah, I yeah. get a little bit of the Batman, but he's more of the shadow. He's a noir hero. Yeah, and he's a great, and like, you know, you had you had some, there were some cool things that went on there too. Like some of the, the pilots way darker than the series usually was, because the pilots actually fairly dark at times, especially for something that was basically a DuckTales spinoff. Um, uh, you know, and then you got, you got some of the, some of the episodes where he's working for the CIA and you're just like, okay, so this is Darkwing Duck is James Bond. <laughs> all, all right. Oh, yep. And that's, that's supposed to be uh jaws, but he's a rooster. Okay. All right. Um, but yeah, no, I, I was a huge, I love Darkwing Duck even more than DuckTales. I love Darkwing Duck. Um, I, I ended up playing the game Splatterhouse because the voice actor for Darkwing Duck voiced the mask in it. And it, so it was really funny listening to basically Negaduck scream obscenities at your character <laughs> for, you know, 20, 25 hours. Are we talking like, the, oh. like 1990 TurboGrafx-16 Splatterhouse? No, the, the remake from about 10 years ago. I didn't know they remade that. Is it, obviously, it's not yeah, called TurboGrafx. Was it on like every system? Yeah, it was on it was on Xbox 360 and PS3, and I think I think it's backwards compatible to the Xbox One even. Huh. Uh, I think it's one of the ones that went backwards compatible. But yeah, no, it's it's a third person action platformer that it's a the camera's not it's so it's not you know side scroller anymore. But it is it is brutally bloody. One of the the collectibles in the game are pieces of new photographs your girlfriend took for you. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I remember so the game being pretty was... risque back in '90, but you know that sounds like it's pushing the. Well, I mean, obviously games have changed, so I don't know what I'm bitching about. Grab you old man. Right. Well, this was this was during that time period where, like, I think it was Kane and Lynch. Kane, I think it was Kane and Lynch had done like a special deal with Playboy, where they had done like a photo shoot for it. And there was the possibility of you winning like a lifetime subscription to Playboy if you entered this one contest for the Kane and Lynch game. And it was like, oh, okay. Game about two ugly old white dudes. I'm not quite sure why there's a Playboy thing getting mixed in with this, but sure. Okay. Uh, All right. What's after Darkwing Duck? Well, go back in time a little bit here to uh, Who Frame, oh, to to Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? Oh my gosh! Yeah, you know there, uh, was, there was well, no, it's that. There was a live action game show as well. Right, the show was called uh, "Where in the World?" Isn't it "Where on Earth is Karma San Diego" for the cartoon? Right? You know what? I bet you're right. I bet you're right. It is. I actually managed to pick it up, pick up the complete series box set at uh, Second and Charles a couple of months ago. Um, so I've got it on my shelf as like one of the things I need to go back and rewatch through because I only like vaguely remember it, but I just remember loving it as a kid. Yeah, Milk um, Creek has been um, really good at packaging up these somewhat obscure '90s animated shows into really like cheap packages. Um, with my discount at work, I can get it for like six bucks. I just haven't got around to it because nice. I like the show. I wasn't just I wasn't a huge fan. So yeah, it is, it is where on earth. Um, but yeah, I, I learned like that was one of those ones that you know I like I enjoyed watching because I like had to learn about different places in the world and stuff like that. And it was like oh, this is cool. I get to you know 
learn about stuff. Um, and but I, I just I just I loved it. I loved the game show too. Uh, oh, I've actually yeah. got a couple of Rockapella albums because I remembered loving them uh, do the theme song on the show so much. My thing as a teenager, I was getting in trouble a lot, and deservedly so, but I would be grounded from television. But there was one loophole. If it was a infotainment show on PBS, I could watch it. So I watched MathNet. Um, well, no, MathNet was part of Square One, which was a math show. And immediately after that is when they started airing um, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. So those are the only two shows I was allowed to watch when I was grounded. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, PBS for me was mostly Britcoms. So I watched a lot of uh, Keeping Up Appearances and uh, Are You Being Served um, on PBS growing up, which probably explains my weird, twisted sense of humor. <laughs> um, for a very short period of time, I actually worked for PBS, but it was always a late shift. So it would be like four-hour documentary on armadillos. I'm like, great. It was like a really <laughs> long shift. Like It was never the fun stuff in the afternoon or any of the British stuff on the weekends. Right, right. You didn't get a four-hour marathon of old-school Doctor Who. You're like, the history of rainwater. Yeah, it was oh. always the dry. It was always like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays from like six o'clock to midnight, and you're like, oh god, please. Yep. All right. Well, I'll I'll move on um, to uh, uh, you know superheroes are a big thing for me, and superhero origin stories are so hard to get right a lot of the times. I was a huge fan of Danny Phantom. I don't know Danny Phantom. This um, one, I, I mean, I've heard of it, but I know okay. nothing about it. Was this Nickelodeon or Disney? It was, it was a Nickelodeon. It was a 2000-era Nickelodeon show uh, about this kid whose parents were trying to prove like, that there was an alternate reality called the Ghost Zone. And he gets caught up in this experiment and like basically become half-ghost. He's got like these weird superpowers um and the show is all about him trying to navigate you know being i don't know 13 and having superpowers and having to defend the planet from these you know things that are and a lot most time way more powerful than he is um but it was really good they developed a really really solid antagonist for him which was um a guy who had gotten these powers like 20 years earlier and so knew how to use them way better than danny did um, and all, but wasn't ever willing to just straight up kill Danny because he was in love with Danny's mom and wanted to try to like win her over to his side. Huh. And so it, it worked really well if they couldn't ever really defeat the other one. And they did, they did a couple of really cool movies. One of which I'm trying to think of how it went. Like Danny loses a fight and everything goes to hell. And so this is like the version of Danny from like 20, 30 years in the future, who is just pure evil, comes back to like take over the world earlier. And so Danny has to like defeat him, but the only way he can do it is by like getting his powers back from the 30 years in the future version of his nemesis. And so you like, there's like all this like interesting character development stuff that gets undone to a large extent because they save the day, but. It's like it's a really solid episode, or like an hour and a half movie, and then the series finale they just straight up did Batman Superman uh, Most Wanted, um, and just they just they just adapted they just straight up adapted that. I'm sure they just admit to it at this point, because huh. um, it's just there's an asteroid coming toward the planet. The president, who is Danny's villain, convinces everyone that it's Danny's fault, 
goes to try to stop it, fails, and then like Danny has to out himself to the entire planet that he is Danny Phantom, um, and but in doing so manages to like save the entire planet from an asteroid. Um, but it was like I said, it was a good show. It had flaws, but it's one of the ones that I actually like. I got a really good price on it on Amazon to pick up the entire series a couple of years ago, and so did I watch them every now and then. Um, it had some really funny villains. It had some really good villains. It had uh, there was a reoccurring villain who was called the Box Ghost who haunted boxes, and he was like the <laughs> thing ever. He was basically killer boss, and he'd just show up every now and then, and they'd just be like, "Oh, it's you." Um, and then a couple times he, he basically pulled a killer moth and showed up at the wrong time. Danny was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm going to beat the ever-loving dog snot out of you because you're here, and I can, and I'm sick and tired of dealing with you people today. Um, but yeah, it was, it, was a really, it was a really good one. Um, it definitely falls to some of those tropes that, that happened, but it was, it was a solid show. Well, I'm looking at the animation style right here, and it looked really familiar. And I, I, I really uh, enjoyed the design. And I re- look, it's the guy who did uh, Fairly Odd Parents, which I thought was a really funny show. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. And he, uh, there's a lot of that same style of humor, if not to the same extent. Like, you know, Danny's parents are goofy whack jobs who can only get things right when they, you know, completely screw everything else up and don't realize they got <laughs> it right. Um, um, but yeah. So no, it was like I said, it was it was a really solid show that he did. He the the uh, Butch was it Butch Hartman? Yeah, came back a couple of years ago and did new artwork of all the characters uh, as old as they would be now. Hmm. Um, and was like, so this is what we did with the characters. This is how we how we would have uh, aged them if we were going to come back and do. I think it was a pitch for a, a revival of the series. It just never happened. Okay. Um, but yeah, but no. So it was it was another song. And fairly odd parents too was just oh that was hilarious. Um, so last, but, but not least going back to kind of superhero, uh, animation and Disney. I, I loved Kim Possible. I know that it kind of gets lumped in as one of the more girly animated series, but I thought that it was really good. It was fun. The humor was good. It had two actually solid outings as movies that aren't just like, you know, three episodes lumped together. I think it's, I was just thinking oh. like half these cartoons I was too old for. <laughs> I feel like I missed a lot of great animation because a lot of people like to, um, nostalgia is a tricky thing. It makes you think that the 80s oh, yeah. was like the greatest era of animation ever. If you look out of the, what, 120 shows that were probably created during that decade, maybe five are actually legitimately good. But if you look at the 90s, exactly. the 90s and 2000s yeah. really churned out a much higher percentage of quality, but people are not talking about it in the same way. No, no. And I guess maybe we need like another 10 years for the nostalgia factor to kick in, but I don't know. I maybe, I think that, I think that you're right. I think people just love to, in a lot of ways, people love to just romanticize the 80s as being this like the greatest time ever. And then, you know actually realizes just there were a few really great things that happened and everyone just kind of, you know, forgets about the massive amounts of just schlock garbage that was produced as well. Yeah. I asked my parents to like the 80s. No, not really. It was just kind of a meh decade. I mean, of course, when you're a child, whatever decade you're a child in is usually the best decade because you're usually innocent from the troubles of the world. But what I've discovered is... Future generations are holding the 80s up as some sort of, like, massive, wonderful decade where kids could do anything, you know? It's like, well, no, The Goonies was fiction. It never really happened. (laughs) 
Right, right. No, no, we, none of us, none of us, you know, found treasure holes in our uh, yards. You know, the three years I lived in the 80s, but, uh, you know, I certainly did not find pirate treasure in my backyard or uh, fight off evil government agencies like they are on uh, uh, Stranger Things. Yeah, but it, the reason we see that is, you know, Kim Impossible, um, I'm probably saying it wrong, I think it's just Kim Possible, right? It's just Kim Possible, yeah. It was one of those shows that I remember a lot of people talking about at the time, even though I was a grown-up. I just remember, like, this is, like, a really hot, popular show. And it's like the minute it ended, no one talked about it anymore. I, will it be rediscovered? Yep. I don't know. It's it's one of those things that, like, so I, I go to Dragon Con as often as I can, um, which is a big convention in Atlanta, and it never fails. I always see half a dozen kims and rons walking around together um at the con and even smaller cons that i go to across the country like if it's anything having to do with animation an animation con mm-hmm. there's always a couple of kims and rons and usually a couple of the villains as well just walking around so it's one that like people remember i just i think i think it's part of the thing of being a disney property like the the dvds exist but disney disney doesn't print them anymore so they're like 60 bucks a season on amazon yeah, uh, hopefully with their streaming site coming up at the end of the year, they're going to bring out their huge catalog of cartoons and movies. I and mean, there's still movies they've had. I'm talking theatrical releases that have never seen beyond yeah. VHS, which is a shock. It's oh, like yeah. not even a, a simple DVD. No, it's, they're stuck on VHS and that's it because they have no interest in going any further. Yeah, and then you got things that there's no reason they shouldn't be off of DVD and they aren't like, you know, I know it's not one of their huge releases, but I'm really surprised that Black Hole hasn't received a Blu-ray release yet. Like, there are people who love that movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, they also have not a, they, own, they own the other companies they owned for a while, Miramax and Dimension. They sold that off. Uh, Touchstone. Uh, yeah. I don't think they've ever put um, Tombstone out on Blu-ray, which is probably one of their most notorious um, titles from that studio. Yeah. I don't. I think you're right about that, because I think I would own Tombstone on Blu-ray, I think. If it was, if it existed, and that's just, it's just, it's just weird. It's like the fact that we haven't gotten a Lord of the Rings 4K release yet. Like I don't understand why I don't have a Lord of the Rings 4K release. Why can't you know, I get the Mummy Air Three in Tomb 4K? of the Dragon Emperor? <laughs> right, right. You know, the Mummy Three Tomb of the Dragon Emperor is out on 4K Blu-ray. <laughs> I, I don't understand how that beat. Um, uh, yeah. But yeah. I guess it's where they see the obvious focus point. Where's the big money going? Because we're spending $250 million on every single project we do. You know, we can't have another Lone Ranger right. on our hands, people. So they can't, they don't take time. Right. You would think they're beef their budget up with the catalog titles. They've already paid for it. Whatever they do from here on out is pure profit. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I know that, I know that, uh, uh, oh, my brain, you're shouting, I can't think of his name. The Aliens guy has had a meeting with Disney and came out of it very excited about the future of the Alien franchise. Um, and so that, you know, I, theoretically we'll see some stuff, more stuff like that. But, you know, I, I don't know. There are things that I just I just don't think we'll ever really see get acknowledged anymore just because they're going to get lost in the back catalog of 10,000 yeah. other properties. I just realized you know, Disney now Avatar. Probably... Here's one thing going to come out oh, of this yeah. with Avatar. Maybe they'll say, hey, James Cameron, how about this? How about we focus on part two, get that done, and see if anybody gives a shit about a part three before you start going for four and five. Oh, yeah. Like, I, it's it's too late, honestly, I think. I think it's way too late. 
Um, honestly, Avatar is one of those funny things that if it had been released in the 80s or the early 90s, it would have had a very successful cartoon series on Fox. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, you know, uh, everything else had an animated series on Fox, Swamp Thing, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, Citizen <laughs> I love, Toxic. I love the top. <laughs> uh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes was so much fun. There, there was a Toxic Crusaders. <laughs> yes, I think there was. I think there was like a one-season Toxic Crusader animated series. Yeah, there was Bill um, and Ted. I read the Bill and Ted cartoon. Would be actually Bill pretty good. Bill and Ted, uh, Back to the Future had a cartoon series that didn't last long. Um, uh, Five Goes West had an animated series. That's right. Are you were Rambo had a cartoon? Why the hell did Rambo have a cartoon? It's a hard I'd R action. I've forgotten that. <laughs> well, uh, Ghostbusters. The first Ghostbusters is rated R, unless I'm misremembering. Uh, um, I think it's PG, real I think, I think it's one of the reasons why they created the PG-13 is because that should not have been rated PG. No. <laughs> Same thing for Gremlins. Is this true? Why the hell yes. is Gremlins this in Tempo Exactly. I'm surprised there was. Was there a Gremlins animated series? There had to have been. No, there should have been though. I can't believe there was a six-year gap where there was more than enough room for Warner Brothers to greenlight a Gremlins animated series, and the fact that there, there hasn't was. been it's a, it's got to be a crime. Wait. Oh no, there was a pilot. There was a pilot What's for an that? animated Gremlins series, okay. but it got canceled. Yep. All right. Yeah, because yeah. the, the '80s is filled to the brim. With cartoons based on everything, and I mean, if there is a friggin' Happy Days cartoon where the Fonz has a sidekick alien, come on, anything is gonna be. It travels through time and space. Uh, like, Gilligan's Planet. There's a Gilligan's Planet. <laughs> Have you seen Rubik the uh, Amazing Cube? No. Oh, you I must go watch. Oh. Watch a clip. Well, Ru- I mean, even. Even like the Star Trek animated series is kind of like, how did this happen? How did we end up, you know? And it's actually fairly good. Yeah, um, it's better than Planet of the Cartoon. Planet of the Cartoon is so disappointing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Along with most of the three hundred and seventy-five uh, Ghost or Scooby-Doo knockoffs, uh, spinoffs. Goober um, and the Ghost Chasers. All what a piece of shit that was. I'll admit to having been a pretty big fan of uh, 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, but I think that was mostly because it had Vincent Price in it. Yeah, uh, you know what? That's what most people say because otherwise there's not much quality to that show. But the fact that it had real monsters for once and Vincent Price, who might actually be a monster himself, right. that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Could only have been better if it had been Christopher Lee. If it had been Christopher Lee, I would have been I'd, – I'd own it all somehow. Yeah. But- <laughs> Christopher Lee versus Vincent Price. Like, one's good, one's bad, or only, or one's bad and one's only kind of bad, who has, you know, he flips sides right. based on what he wants. One's Dracula and one's, like, Hitler's zombie. I, I don't know how we would have done this, but... <laughs> um, yeah, we're kind of spinning out of control here, people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, seriously, the 80s is the decade of just, like, throwing whatever sticks to the wall, you know? Whereas the 90s seem to be much more focused. Yes, there's a lot of cartoons that are purely based on toys, but there's more. I think they took some, you know, notes from Transformers and GI Joe and Thundercats and what works, what doesn't work. Let's build this mythos, yep. and that's why I think a lot of those cartoons hold up better. Well, and that's one of the shames. Like I actually, because I had thought about talking about it here, but didn't, or didn't both put a one of my ten. I was actually, I actually really liked the uh, Thundercats reboot from the 2000s, like. It had a lot of things going for it. It had a lot of heart. There are a couple of really great episodes. 
and then it just kind of just disappeared again. It was, I think it was one of those ones that, like, they said, it's too popular with girls, but it doesn't sell toys, so we're getting rid of it. Yeah, well, they did the same thing with He-Man, the Mass Universe. That reboot was really good, um, but it was really yeah. expensive, and it wasn't on a regular station anymore. And, you know, uh, if I remember correctly, it was on um, uh, Cartoon Network, and back then they just didn't have the same kind of budget that, you know, they do now. Yeah, yeah. Whereas now Cartoon Network could pretty much get away with running whatever they wanted, I imagine. Ugh, um, it's called the CN now, I think. Barf. Oh, really? Oh, that's awful. Uh you don't have to. It's like when Sci-Fi Channel changed its name to, to literally the medical abbreviation for syphilis. Oh no, really? That's a medical. I didn't know that. It's yeah. That's, that yeah. station's finally starting to get its footing back, but it was like twelve years of giant bug and giant monsters, and they're purposely bad. I'm like, no, nah, man. When you started, you were trying to make low-budget uh, sci-fi movies that the studios just weren't interested in. So you know, yes, they were they were uh, short on special effects. But it was always good stories. And then all of a sudden they just changed their mind. I was like, ah, I'm done with this. So just just, just real quick, because I, I want to get this out there somewhere in a proof form. I came up with what would be the single best series of Sci-Fi Channel original features. What's that? They, the first one is called Pterodactyls, Terror from the Skies. And it's terrorists using pterodactyls to attack buildings. Oh, my God. <laughs> the second one... The, the second one is called Pterodactyls, A Tale of Two Dactyls, and it's the French Revolution, but with pterodactyls. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then, then there's Pterodactyls, Three If By Air, which is the American Revolution, but with pterodactyls. And then there's Pterodactyls, 1492, which Columbus gets to the New World and discovers pterodactyls. <laughs> All right, so every single one of these crappy movies have at least one C-level, D-level actor as their lead. Who, is you, who are you going to pick as your lead? Oh, okay. Um, so, pterodactyls, um, I'm going to go with, uh, 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 oh, Val Kilmer. I'm going to go with Val Kilmer oh my God. for, for pterodactyls. Here's the thing. Here's the thing is, you know, you and I haven't known each other very long, but there's been a running joke for about seven years. Um <laughs> I, one day I just I had the whole day off and I was kind of bored and I started writing this fake. I was like, this is right after um, uh, I think God, one of those giant shark like where it's combined. Um, damn it, it was one of those. It's so ridiculous. I was like, they can't go any further than this. It's like piranha shark or something. And I was right. like, okay. piranha shark versus megalodon. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those. And um. And I sat at home going, okay, how much more ridiculous can you get? And I was like, okay, so it was right before Thanksgiving. So I wrote this whole convoluted fake story about how I sold a script for um, something called uh, Gobble Fins, where it was a turkey and a shark oh, yes! combined. But then the studio wanted me to change it to something more sophisticated, so I, tra I changed it to Trypto Fins. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and, and I made it up that uh, we had hired Eric Estrada and Val Kilmer, but Val Kilmer yes. was worried that he had hit the end of his career where he was no longer going to be like hired for anything, so he stole the film. And you know, Sci-Fi Channel had changed it. It was like this big, long-winded blog. It went on for like a month. And I, I, yeah, I chose Val Kilmer as my lead as well. <laughs> nice, nice. So yeah, Val Kilmer, and then for uh, a, a Tale of Two Dactyls, I think I think I'm gonna go with Casper Van Dien. Nice. I think we're gonna go Casper Van Dien for a Tale of Two Dactyls. Uh, having to, he'll have to do a French accent. Like it's just it'll be mandatory. Um, man, Three If by Air. I 
think I'm going to go with Bruce Campbell. I think I'm going to have Bruce Campbell playing George Washington. Nice. In, if three of fire. Um, and then let's let's think here. Oh, oh, you know what? Easy peasy. Uh, Christopher Columbus played by Ralph Macchio. Oh, wow. That's a different route I wouldn't have gone. That's, uh, that's unexpected. Um, what, I, what I love about these movies is when I was a kid, there was always these shitty Italian ripoff movies of American, you know, successful American movies. You know, there's always like these yeah. Max Ripoffs, Rambo ripoffs, stuff like that. And, you know, that's where the low-level TV actor or the guy who was in a couple, you know, American movies that bombed, you know, that's where they went for the next decade. We don't have that now. Even direct-to-video is dead. All you have left is basically Netflix and the Sci-Fi Channel. And that's where all these guys like Caster Van Dien, Lorenzo Lamas, you know, uh, people who are yeah. passive, probably Bill oh, Kilmer, God. they all go there. Oh, you see, so you have to bring up Lorenzo Lamas. My mom was a huge fan of uh, Renegade. Oh, my God. What a terrible, terrible that's show. So, cool. <laughs> so bad. There was... <laughs> Um, back when I first started the podcast, I was kind of a star fucker, so I would do these interviews with, I was just trying to get actors or people that were in the industry yeah. to do the show, and um, Bob Clendenin, if you look him up, you'll know him, he always plays like a fun goofball, but one of his very first performances was in um, the, the pilot episode of Renegade, and I brought it up, he goes, oh, son of a bitch, you didn't watch that, did you? And I go, oh, I made it about two minutes into it, and I stopped. Oh, that's awesome! Uh, uh, oh, wh- what's his name? The uh, uh, actor who played Rorschach in Watchmen, uh, whose name I know. Oh, Jackie Earl gone. Haley. Ja- yeah, Jackie Earl Haley is a low-level, uh, uncredited low-level thug on an episode of Renegade. When 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 things were really drying up for him, when, when the best thing on his resume was Doll Man. Yeah, <laughs> just like, oh, I'm sorry for you. Yeah, you were that one kid from the Bad News Bears. Okay, sure. But what do um, we do for a living? See, that's the thing is a lot of people mock actors, but I'm like, right. what the fuck do we do? We're just like, you know, just punch right. a clock. Oh, I, I would make 10,000 sci-fi channel original movies. We came up with, uh, and I got to credit this to my buddy Bryant. My, my friend Bryant came up with uh, Afrobot, which was the first android who's created by a black scientist, and he goes on a killing spree trying to rid the world of honkies. <laughs> um, when we were kids um, in college I, I'm 41 now so I can say that when you're 21 you're a kid um, we created right. uh, this, this comic strip called Kung Fu Monkey Bot about this, this scientist yes. who create, he's supposed to create this robot that's going to help the universe he gives it like all these great martial arts skills and it's supposed to defend the innocents but he uses the brain DNA from his son but he forgets that his son is like a lazy slob so he has these great powers, but this robot will just sit on the couch all day and play video games instead of helping the universe. That, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, that's still yes. my email, by the way. Uh, I, I, when I try to tell people my email, I'm like, I'm going to have to write this down because it's too embarrassing to say out loud. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, yeah, I, yeah. No, I was having to do an interview with a girl one time, and her, her like, she had just like the longest, most embarrassing, like, teenage girl email address ever and i was just like oh dear god i don't know that i can hire someone whose email address <laughs> includes like werewolf black unicorn midnight like <laughs> i would hire the hell out of that person immediately because you know there's something different and unique and they're not gonna be one of those brain dead yes men out of corporate 
You're like, oh, you have a this whole different true. way of thinking. This is unique. You might have an idea that might change the star for the better. This, this is true. I, I had a guy come in one time with a job location. His name was Inuyasha. And I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Because the first time he calls in late, I'm going to be like, what happened? You get in a fight with Shishomaru? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, my, um, oh, I can't, I got to tell you off the air. My boss has the name of a very famous, like, B-movie villain actor. And every time I see him, yes. I just want to go, ooh, break into British accent. I want to hear you tell me I'm going to burn in hell. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't tell awesome. you. I'll get in trouble. I'll tell you after. We have to, we have to. But so, by the way, we've hit an hour. Um, this was a lot of fun. You and I should do another episode together, like some other, one of our other podcasts. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, I would, I'd love to do that. I'd love to talk about comic books or uh, anything. <laughs> all right. So check us out on Facebook under Retro Rock Entertainment. You'll find all our podcasts there. And Eric's uh, Kickstarter for the Emperor, Empress and the – oh, crap. I screwed it up. What is it again? <laughs> the Empress and the Archer. <laughs> that is coming up in a little bit here, so look out for it. And – Meanwhile, join his uh, little group. It's the Nerd Club. It's a lot of fun, um, and you know, just whatever discussion, nerd world just, uh, stuff. You know, yeah. Just tell people you heard about us on uh, on, on the show here, and we'll uh, add you to the group. All right, everybody, have a good night.